This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Greetings. It's Monday. It's the 14th of September. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And if you've made it to the 4am spike, you can award yourself a special prize because it takes some going. Uh, Ben's managed it this morning. He said uh, made it to the 4am spike. He's obviously somebody to do with burgers because all the tweeted pictures are of food. And I'm sort of thinking, you know, at this time of the morning, you know, we, we don't eat, well, we don't eat that much. The producer's just about to go and grab something out of the microwave, which I think is rice. Is it some sort of rice dish or something? Okay. Chicken and rice. Very, is it funny? Chicken and rice at four minutes past four in the morning. I mean, how cool is that? Fantastic. Anyway, hope you had a great weekend. Uh, we've got a lot to get through on the programme this morning. I promise you it's not all going to be about the Labour Party. Thank goodness you're saying, I should imagine. Because to be honest with you, every time I turn on the television or the radio, open up a newspaper, there's Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, the only good news was that Chucker Amuna has uh, sort of left by mutual agreement. Don't you love that, that phraseology? Mutual agreement. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less either way. I'm the least political person you're ever going to be hearing on a radio station. You know, I'm as interested as the next person. I don't, I don't really care about it. That's the, that's the simple basic fact. I don't, I don't have to care. I don't care who's shadow health minister. I don't care who's shadow home secretary. It took me years to realise that Shadow Home Secretary means you're like a lady in waiting. You sort of, you want to be the bride, but you haven't quite made it to being bride. And so I was sort of reading all these things yesterday and everybody was very excited about it. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's great, but it's not changing my life. Not changing my life. I mean, do you think that actually Corbyn will get in and, and win? According to all the pundits, there's very little chance. But he's leading the Labour Party. But to me, he looks like a blast from the past because I'm old enough to remember him first time round for Islington. I remember Jeremy Corbyn. He was a nice little middle-class boy. Very little middle-class boy. Did he go to prep school, I think? About three marriages later, came up, you know, brought up in a very nice little house. That People just want to be working class nowadays, don't they? Whereas I thought we were all working class. Unless you're actually, you know, in the higher echelons of society. I, I must be as working class as the next person, because I have to work for a living. My family didn't come from, from anything well-heeled, so I'm assuming I'm just a working class person. Well, I mean, that's the way it works. But, I mean, who cares nowadays? Do people worry about that? I had a very interesting conversation on LBC yesterday. And this was after Charlotte Proudman, uh, the woman who did don't comment on my looks kind of thing. And everybody jumped up and down. I jumped up and down thinking, you know, you, you really should have accepted a compliment. You know, you're there with your neatly cut little fringe. You're a bit of a girly girl. But at the same time, you know, take me for what I am. Do not treat me on my looks. Whereas, in fact, I thought the whole of life was based on looks. That's, you know, the whole thing is, if you're a really good-looking person, you can go further in life than somebody who isn't particularly good-looking. Unless you're very powerful or very rich. If you've got the combination of money and you've got looks, well, you know, you're, you're kind of on a winning formula. But that's what, it, that's what it hinges on nowadays. It hinges on the way you look. You know, I, mean, I wish I could go back 20 years in my life, 20, 30, probably 30 years, and, um, and, and sort of wonder if I would do things differently. Would I, would I sort of look at myself in the mirror and think, do I want to be a radio presenter? Because I, I kind of fell into it. I fell into it because I wanted to do it. But I didn't think I'd still be doing it this, this far down the line. I, I mean, I really didn't. I think when I started, I had this delusion when I started off that I'd be, uh, I think by the age of 20, on a national radio station and driving a Rolls Royce. Well... At my age now, I'm driving a Bentley and I'm on a national radio station, so we're not done to it. But it's funny, isn't it? You don't think of it as a job. People say to me, you know, is it actually a job? And I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know. I sit in a studio. I adjust the microphone. If you, if you watch the routine that goes into it every morning, and all the presenters do different things, you know, I adjust the microphone. I check my screens are right. Check my headphone level. You know, I've got my cup of coffee here. I've got three peaches. Got my telephone. Got my text. Got my emails. Got a stack of newspapers. And that constitutes a radio programme. If you've never heard this show before, we do not play music. Occasionally, I might break into a song. And occasionally I might sort of go, what's this called? And you, you might have to help me out on things. But traditionally, this programme has been like this for some time now. We go through the papers. Sometimes we're not very uh, pleasant about people. If I don't like somebody, I have to come right out and say it. There's no point pretending I like somebody if I don't, unless I didn't like somebody and then I meet them and then I discover I did like them. So sometimes you, you have to change your opinion about somebody. I've done that, I think, on two occasions in my life. Might have been three. But that's what, that's what the programme is. We go through the papers and we're basically telling it how it is. If you don't like it, then that's kind of tough. But luckily, 99% of cats, when asked in a recent survey, said they absolutely adored the Steve Allen programme. So I thought that was fairly good. And uh, Ellie in uh, Boston, 11pm in Boston, loved the show after a stressful day with the kids. I can imagine. You just want to put... You just, oh, I don't know how mums cope nowadays. I really don't. I really don't know how people cope with it. You know, in between sort of washing and ironing, getting them ready for school, entertaining them. I mean, small wonder when computers came along, mums went, whoopee! And then you suddenly realise after a while what they're actually looking at. <laughs> uh, I must thank as, uh, as well... Oh, oh, one here, Bob, who says, Have you been following Piff in America's Got Talent? I have. He said, I saw him first at your Magic Circle show. He was great, wasn't he? He was great. I love, uh, I love Piff and I love Paul Zerdin. Yes, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm the Mari Celeste this morning. I'm just sort of here, surrounded by water and, you know, nothing. And uh, Simon Marks, he says, lovely Steve Allen interview with uh, Anthony Horowitz, which you can get on the LBC website. That's the video version of it. Thank you very much indeed, Simon. Very sweet. And, uh, and Jane says... Uh, I'm so fed up with overly hammed up the Corbyn debate. Shall we talk about the housewives of Orange County? I probably could, actually. And then somebody says, wait a minute, I thought you said the dealer was going to empty the boot of the car. Well, he was, but I've actually got some free time today, so I'm going to go up there. I've got to pay some money today. Mm. Tears, sadness, because I've changed the car. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I've changed the car on uh, Saturday. And so, at the moment, they've got both my cars uh, and I've got a little higher car, which we don't talk about because it's too embarrassing. And uh, so I shall go up today, pay some money, and then I might as well start emptying the boot and bringing back some of the booze that's in it. So when we actually sort of come to do the changeover on Friday, it'll be a lot easier. So that, that's my sort of thrill. And then, of course, what's going to happen? They're going to polish it all up. It's going to look lovely. And it's going to be hoovered and vacuumed and all the rest of the things that you do with it. The engine's checked over. Very, very low mileage. And, uh, and then blow me down. The heavens are going to open and we're going to get wet again. So I'm not going to be particularly pleased by the weekend. But it doesn't matter. does not matter. It really doesn't. Uh, and we do take all your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I know you were talking about letter writing uh, with Darren earlier on. And uh, Chrissy said to me, she said, when, when was the last time you wrote a letter? I said, well, it would have been a long, long time ago. I don't do letter writing. My mother used to do... Well, she did letter writing and then she typed letters... Um, I, I just sent emails. The last time I wrote a letter, what, my writing's terrible. I do block capitals now. It's so much easier. Because a lot of companies employ graphologists. So they, uh, so they actually check out, you know, what your writing says about you. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd rather they didn't know what the writing says about me. Um, we also, what did we do yesterday? Oh, we had a lovely time in um, Regent's Park yesterday. It was just the right sort of breeze. 
and loads of fruit on the trees, and uh, there are people living in Regent's Park. There are people in tents. Mind you, when I came past uh, Richmond yesterday on my way back, Richmond Circus Roundabout, somebody's pitched a tent in the middle of the roundabout. I wonder how long before the police move them on. It'll be a refugee, won't it, or an asylum seeker or somebody like that. They seem to wander about in that borough. I don't know what they do for a living. But there was definitely a tent there, and it wasn't a small tent either. It was a, it was a reasonable-sized tent. So I'm not expecting it to be there today, but uh, if it is, I'm assuming that the police have to sort of just go on to the island and push somebody off there. I mean, it's, 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 it's um, a traffic island. Can't have somebody in a tent on it. It's just ridiculous. Where are they going to the toilet? Station, I suppose. Anyway, some of the stories in the papers today which aren't to do with uh, with Mr Corbyn um, uh, is Anne Reid, who's been with us on In Conversation, as you know. Her dad was a spy, she says, which is an interesting one. Mr Corbyn on every single paper. Um, uh, also, Mylene, back in the jungle. It's not quite what you think it is. And uh, some of the other stories. What was the other story? Oh, yes, Lily Allen. I think she's kind of losing the plot, poor soul. She's gone a bit doolally. And uh, they say... Fun-loving Lily Allen. Well, I don't know. Fun-loving, I don't know, I really couldn't care less about Lily Allen. But she wowed fans uh, in a revealing sports outfit. I think she, as I say, I think she's sort of lost the plot, poor soul. Uh, she's a mum of two. Uh, she teamed a US football top with a mini and massive boots at uh, a festival on the Isle of Wight, which is Bestival. And uh, she twerked. And uh, waved a smoke machine. Ooh, really racy-pacy racy stuff, eh, there, dear? And, um, and she was performing in these sort of platform boots. I suppose if you sort of become a popsicle star, you have to sort of find outrageous clothing and footwear and try and pretend you've been wearing it all your life. Whereas, of course, she hasn't. Yeah, they, they just sort of wear it for... They go, oh, look, isn't she racy? Oh, dear. And she's been receiving, you know, pictures from, from Zayn Malik. It's funny, anybody else received them, send them to Charlotte Proudman, she'd have them in front of the police, I should imagine. You know, which is uh, quite right. I don't know what gives Zane the right to start sending obscene things through the post. It doesn't matter whether it's to Lily Allen or anybody. Quite clearly, dirty little boys should be prosecuted. There you go. I put my cards on the table. You shouldn't send these pictures out to people, Zane. You silly little boy. Very silly little boy. Give you smack. OK, big smack. And then we call the police in. Oh, do you remember that story? I have to do it because it, uh, it was annoying me so much. And it was somebody who claimed that uh, years and years ago... He was taken to a flat in uh, Dolphin Square and uh, he witnessed certain people, well-known people, MPs, uh, killing people, stabbing. One of them, he says he saw somebody uh, being stabbed by this particular uh, person 40 times. Well, to be honest with you, at the time, I thought, I think there's something the matter with you. I think you're possibly a bit sick. But the police have to investigate, and uh, the police have now come back, and they've shelved the probes. There is no evidence to suggest anything like this ever happened. This is a VIP pedo ring. They heard testimony from a victim known as Darren, that uh, he'd given graphic accounts of two alleged killings he said he witnessed. Uh, the police yesterday said the claims were unsubstantiated. The murders of a 15-year-old girl and a man with Down syndrome in the 1980s were said to have been committed by a pedo gang, including a top Tory. Darren said he fell into the hands of the gang when he was 15 at, uh, at a, an estate in Suffolk. In another setback to campaigners, including uh, Tom Watson, who claims that VIP abuse gangs were operating at the highest level, Darren says he was abused by known pedo Peter Wrighton, who died in 2007. 
and uh, Charles Napier, who was jailed for 13 years in December. Last week, it was claimed police had grave doubts over a witness known as Nick, who claimed he'd seen three murders in Dolphin Square. Unfortunately, what you have to accept the fact is there's some mentally ill people, and they will come forward... And they will say that they saw things. Of course, they saw no such thing. Most of it is just in their mind. They're sick people. They need help more than anything. And uh, they, they go along to the police and they say, I mean, can you seriously believe in this day and age that somebody went along to Dolphin Square and witnessed a person who is still alive? They claim that, you know, this particular person stabbed a boy 40 times. I mean, just grow up, for God's sake. But they have to investigate. And that's why it takes so much time. All these historical things that are, that are taking place in the country. If there's one thing that they do need to sort out, it's stopping these people getting as far as going to the newspapers, selling their stories. Because this particular one, known as Nick, I think he appeared in a number of newspapers, saying that he'd seen this going on and that going on, and this MP was present and that MP was present. And, and, and 99% of people in the country are going, you're mentally ill, you're a fantasist. There's something the matter with you you need some help and as it turns out we were right they were wrong nick ferrari at breakfast on lbc charlotte proudman remember surely yes of course she's the barrister who accused a male solicitor of sexism after he described her photograph on a business website as stunning is this young woman taking it too far completely totally too far i've been on linkedin i've probably had three approaches from random men who i've no idea who they are saying literally i like your picture Tell me, what is the lure of Lidl? Have you been won over? It's got a good, a good report everywhere. Every time you read in the papers or, you know, and their products seem to compare well in taste tests. Did you know what I mean? Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7. Only on LBC. Nick at the team, the Prime Minister and the French Secretary say Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn is a risk to national security. Is he? Germany does a U-turn and says, uh, Nick Mayer, no more. Migrants. And what a 50-50 male cabinet, female cabinet, win your vote. That's Nick and the team for breakfast this morning with uh, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Steffi Callister, journalist broadcaster and former Sky News presenter, will be in looking at the papers. So I'm going home yesterday. And you know that last week, most of the programmes on LBC, well, practically all, well, every single programme on LBC, was talking about Charlotte Proudman. This is the woman who went on. She's, um, she's a barrister. And she goes on, I think it's called LinkedIn, and it's uh, a professional site, but I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference. And she puts this thing on there, and this bloke, that she, she sends her thing to him, so she obviously thinks that he can do some good for her, and he admits that he thinks it's probably inappropriate, but he comments on how, how she looks. You know, stunning photograph, and quite clearly she must have thought it was a stunning photograph herself, because she put it up there. And you don't put a photo up there if you think you look like a dog's dinner, do you? You put a photograph up if you've had your hair cut nicely, your makeup's been done. It's a professional posed photograph. So you sit there and then you turn your head to the side. It's a professionally posed photograph. It's not something taken, you know, on Snapchat or something like that. And so uh, anyway, uh, she then rounds on him, which uh, which would have been fine. I wouldn't have had a problem with that. I was we, we were doing all right until she decided to go public with it and embarrass him because what she's effectively done is she's embarrassed herself. She's made herself look silly. She shouldn't have done it. That was the bit. He was wrong to have done it in the first place. You know, you you can't if you if you're an older person, apparently you're not allowed to comment on on younger people. Well, I mean, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. It wouldn't make any difference to me if somebody said, you know, you look like a crock of what's it today Steve you don't you know you really haven't made the best of yourself or if somebody said god you look really good it, it makes no difference to me either way I'm never going to put it up on social media so that you can embarrass people because that's not what I do 
I'll do it on the programme, which is much easier, and then we don't have to sort of write anything down. And um, and so he, did, he, he sort of did that. Then she said she wanted a public apology, and then it just went from bad to worse. And, of course, everybody was told she got more headlines in the newspapers than anybody else. Made herself look a bit, a bit silly. He looked even sillier. I mean, the whole thing is just a storm in a D-cup, ladies and gentlemen. So when I listened to Beverly Turner yesterday, I didn't know which, which side of the fence... Be- well, sh- Beverly Turner came down firmly on the side of Charlotte. She said, you shouldn't have to go out there, you know, and people make comments on the way you look. Now, I thought... And so I'm listening... And actually, she sold it to me quite well. She sold it to me very well. She got lots of people phoning up saying, no, you're wrong, and it's this. And, and one woman saying, well, you know, this, this woman, you know, she, she made the mistake of doing all these. And so it went on backwards and forwards. But I thought Beverly made a very good point. Didn't, didn't win her any brownie points, I fear, but I thought she handled it really well. I was quite impressed driving home listening to that. So that kind of made my day. I still didn't like Charlotte Proudman. I couldn't care less whether she's good-looking, plain Jane. I'm really not interested. I just thought, I don't like you. And I think that, 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 that sort of came across in her thing, that she's, she's obviously not a very pleasant person. And I can only gather that by what, you know, has been said and the way that she looks and her sort of articles and stuff like that. And I sort of, I thought, you know, why don't you just get over yourself? You know, so some silly old fool goes, oh, I know it's inappropriate, but uh, I think, you know, it was a really stunning photograph. You know, what she should have said is, yeah, very nice indeed, but stop messing, you know, you're dealing with my mind, not my looks. Okay, but then she was the one who approached him. They didn't actually not know each other. They they sort of knew each other via this this LinkedIn. But anyway, at the end of the day, who who gives us stuff? Nobody cares, do they? Nobody cares. She emerged with egg on face. He just comes over as sort of you know, he's he's obviously said you know I don't want to talk about it anymore, and we've left it. And then he didn't he print pictures of his own daughter in the gym or something? And he went, "Four, she's a stunner." And this, I don't think parents are supposed to do that. Actually, I felt a bit queasy about that one. But anyway, it was all put to one side, and hopefully we'll never hear of either of them ever again. So yesterday I'm sitting at home and um, I said I've so many things I've got to do today including emptying the car boot and uh, paying over some money and I've got an interview with Richard Hammond this morning which I'm very much looking forward to he's got a, a show on Sky where Richard goes well I'll, you'll have to wait for the interview it'll be going out this week on In Conversation and I'm sure it will be absolutely brilliant so I'm sitting there at home and uh, I occasionally just sort of go through my uh, my phone messages and if I've not contacted friends for at least about a week and a half or two weeks. I just send them a little thing saying, just to let you know that I'm thinking about you. And they then sort of write something back like, who is this? I'm going to call the police. And so we have to sort of, we sort of play, I go, it's Steve. And I go, oh, hi, Steve, because I'm withheld. Uh, and on, Anyway, so this, this friend of mine, Ryan, he's working up in Nottingham. He used to work here, so I used to see him most mornings. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, he, he sent me a thing last week when he was on the way to the airport at 5.37 in the morning with, uh, with his girlfriend. And so this week I thought, and it was about quarter past three yesterday, uh, I just said, just to let you know, I'm thinking about you. Because I'm assuming he must have come back from his, uh, from his holiday. And so he then sends back a text to me. He said, that's weird. He said, I was chatting to Gareth from Smooth East Midlands about you about 20 minutes ago. How unca- So I wrote back and said, gosh, we must be psychic. Because I suddenly thought, you know, I hadn't spoken to somebody for a week. We hadn't done anything. We hadn't contacted each other. And, uh, and then I just said, thinking about you. And he went, isn't that funny? I was just talking about you. Now, how does that work? Does that mean I'm psychic or is that just because people are always talking about me? They go, did you hear Steve Allen the other day? Oh, God, he was having a mare of a day yesterday. He said it was all went pear-shaped. But I think that's quite interesting. Anyway, so I did, I, I sort of left it at that. 
And I did settle down and I did watch the film King of Kings. I had a bit of an epiphany. I like a bit of an epiphany every so often. And King of Kings is a, is a long Hollywood epic. It must run about three and a half hours, I think. And it's, it's the Bible. It's basically the Bible, but given the Hollywood makeover. And it's got this recurring theme that goes all the way through. And it leads up to the, uh, the trial, if you can call it that, and the, uh, and the execution of Jesus. And it's, but it's so well done. It really is. I don't know what ever happened to the guy who played it. And so I sat down and I, I, get, I get great delight in things like that. Every so, I've got certain films that I go, right, I'm feeling in a, in a, that kind of mood. I'm never in a Star Wars kind of mood. I never get in a Star Wars kind of mood, but I could get in an E.T. kind of mood. I could get in a Mary Poppins kind of mood. I could get in a Back to the Future 2 or 3 kind of mood. And every so often, I'll put on a Hollywood blockbuster, an epic, and I'll think, that's... God, why are things not like that? Why are things not like that? You know, should it be like that all the time? I want to live in this lollipops and pink ice cream kind of world, which, of course, is a bit sad, really. <laughs> Only if I drink the contents of the boot of the car. Uh, more of these uh, things. Steve says, Jane, Lily Allen, no relation is trying to make money. Keith is trying to make money. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, actually, I do think that that's what it is. It does come down to attention-seeking, doesn't it? It does come down to attention-seeking. And these people get addicted to being photographed. And, um, oh, I've just... <laughs> I've just had a, a one from uh, somebody who works for another radio station uh, called Sean. I can't mention what it is because it's, uh, it's certainly not going to affect my life. But he says, uh, ready for another week of the Steve Allen show. See what I can steal for my show. Because that's what I get, actually. I get this a lot. In fact, there's people about to be coming into this, uh, into this building um, who will take great delight in listening to this programme in the morning. Because what they do is they go, what was Steve talking about today? He, he did the story about uh, the Queen shrugging off the eye in injury. No, won't do that one. Elton John to maybe confront Putin? That's a good Let's go with that one. Let's go with Elton John. Because Putin, who we've always thought was a bit homoerotic... You know, we've had we've had photographs of Putin riding, riding sort of topless on a horse, which is slightly homoerotic. And 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 there's never any mention of sort of women in his life. I'm sure there must be. I'm quite sure there are. But it's this kind of thing. But of course, homosexuality, if you're in the good old uh, Russian state, is not in the best place to be. You don't want to be gay over there because they don't like anything. He thinks that if it was all gay, there wouldn't be any more children. I mean, he's quite mad as a toothbrush, isn't he? Really, he just doesn't quite understand. Anything at all. Uh, the Grace Jones story, she goes more balmy than she's ever been before in her life. But, but she's now reached the end, I think. And she's practically, you know, practically sort of knitting, knitting things. Uh, Gemma Collins claims to have shed almost three stone. Other presenters will go for that one. Because this is with, um, I'll tell you the story in a moment. Because it's all very interesting. The one thing you should never, ever do is go on an all-liquid diet. Very, very bad for you. Very, very bad for you. I couldn't care less what people say. And this is one called the Juice Meister. If you notice, everybody's got to have a name. You know, I'm just Steve Allen, radio presenter, but he's Jason, what's his face? Uh, the Juice Meister. Oh, do it. Do me a favour. I didn't realise how old he was, actually. I thought he was fairly young. He's about, about 46, 47. And so she claims she's lost three stone uh, because she's been doing it overseas in Portugal. Where, of course, there are no McDonald's. Well, now she's back here, she'll shove it all back on again because that's what she does. She eats. That's why she's the size she is. She's got that ridiculous hair on her head. But there again, if you, if you cut all that hair off, the fake stuff, and just left her with her own 
miserable little locks. I mean, she's going to look even more bloated, I'm afraid. And the Wendy house. The couple put a Wendy house in the garden. And somebody complained to the councillor, but I can see the Wendy house over the top of the fence. It's, it's just, it's like a kid's Wendy house. In fact, it is a kid's Wendy house. And the councillor come back and said, have you got planning permission for that? And they went, it's a Wendy house. And the councillor said, take it down. You need planning permission. I'm going to name and shame the thickest council in the country, ladies and gentlemen. You've never heard anything like it. But for the meantime, it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every Monday, 14th of September. I like the idea that uh, people are kicked out of hotels for bad behaviour. And there is a a mum here... Uh, called Anne-Marie Alders. Uh, she spent her 40th birthday sleeping on a holiday beach after her family was kicked out of a hotel for bad behaviour. And I thought, good, I'm sick to death of these uh, chavvy families. She and her partner, because they're obviously not, not married, uh, Steve Corley, and their two sons of 17, who had a boozy flight, slept on the sand in Grand Canaria. Anne-Marie of Cardiff, how many times have we heard that one come up? says, uh, we were traumatised. Yeah, the hotel was pretty traumatised, you old baggage, and that's why they've kicked you out. Bad behaviour, complaints, learn how to mix with other people. Okay, we know what you are. You're very similar, I should imagine, to the mother the other day. And they had lots of people. You know, we've had kids sent home from school because they've had bad haircuts. Uh, And that that ridiculous mother, and an even more ridiculous daughter, who the mother allowed the daughter to have her hair cut on one side and then sort of done as a leopard print. What sort of family has that done, ladies and gentlemen? I think we know. I think we know it's the it's the holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show, isn't it? They're the sort of people who appear on there. Yeah, you got me pregnant, didn't you, you muppet? I never did. I slept with your father first. You know, and so it goes on. You watch these programmes, you sit there thinking, thank God they don't live anywhere near you. And so this mother... Then there was another boy there who was... I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but I'm sorry, a boy going to school with purple hair? I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. And the school sent him home, so they put a... These stupid pupils, and they're even more stupid parents, they allow themselves to be photographed by the press, and everybody just points and laughs at them. So, you know, the stupid woman who was... You know, my daughter's not going back to school anyway. You know, it's, it's her body. She can do with it what she wants. Well, I'm sure she is doing, dear. She looks like she would be, but she's not going to school with that haircut. It's as simple as that. They've got rules. And the rules are, if you don't like it, then go somewhere else. And they had another boy who had his hair all spiked up. And they were saying, no, it's, you've got to go and do it properly. When you leave school, you know, I remember we used to have to have regulation school haircuts. I'm not saying that they were, you know, really regulation, but they said the hair must only come down to your collar. That was what the school ruling was. And so, of course, the big deal was when you left school, you could grow your hair long. Up until then, you had to conform because it was a school. You were supposed to be proud of your school uniform. You know, we wore our school blazers with the school badge on like every other kid does. And we were supposed to be proud of which school we went to. Nowadays, you look at the state of them. They don't even look like they've had a wash. They're so dirty, school children nowadays. I think they get up in the morning, put on yesterday's clothes and just sort of walk out the door. They must stink to high heaven in half these schools. Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Oh, David Walliams is coming back with a, uh, a new sketch show. I suppose he's got to do something to get over the disaster that was his marriage. Still never came to the bottom of that, apart from it was all due to her indiscretions. I mean, that's an odd thing, isn't it, really? Uh, I didn't see Keith Richard on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday. I also missed David Cassidy. Somebody said it was quite sad. And apparently Eamon Holmes said it was uh, car crash television. 
But then I always think most of the things that Eamon Owen does are car crash television. Love Ruth, though. He started wearing glasses, but he, he, he looks like Ollie Beak from years ago. It's, it's not really the greatest look. Ian says Geoffrey Hunter, who was Jesus in dun, 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 King of Kings, died in 1969. He looked like Jesus. Well, he looked like our interpretation of what Jesus looked like, whereas, in fact, Jesus would have been slightly darker-skinned, I would have thought, if he'd come from those biblical times. I mean, every, every Jesus you ever see is a kindly, you know, man, white, pure white, with a beard, whereas, in fact, he wouldn't have looked like that at all. But as we don't have any photographs, I don't know why. There's no logical reason why. They, could, they seem to invent loaves and fishes and all the other things. Why couldn't they do a camera? You know, let's do the first camera and get pictures. But they, uh, it, was, it was very interesting, it was very, I love the film. I love it. If you, if you get an opportunity to get it, get hold of it. Because it will, uh, it'll give you an epiphany as well. And it's always nice to have a, an epiphany, isn't it? Uh, Steve, do you have to send those once-a-week messages to your friends so they won't worry if you've had a fall or died in your sleep? Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, believe you me, there's people on the premises. I don't need to call social services to break down the front door. No, no. I, th- I think that's highly unlikely. Very sweet of you to make a contribution, though, at this time of the morning. But, uh, no, that, that wouldn't happen. I mean, for a start with, the, the first people who'd phone me would be the car company. They'd be going, sorry, your driver's sitting outside. And, of course, by that time, I'd be sitting on a cloud, not worrying about, really, whether the car was outside or whether it wasn't outside. Um, Michael says, what's the matter with Back to the Future 1? I didn't like Back to the Future 1. I only liked 2 and 3. So there you go. Mind you, you're in Bromley, aren't you? We had a work experience in from Bromley the other week. Rob. And uh, he, and I said, Brom, I said, I was born in Bromley. I was born. I haven't been back there since. And uh, his, uh, he, we had, in fact, we had a, a very good week, actually, last week. I told you about the tea we had at Lanesborough, which was absolutely charming. Absolutely loved that. Um, another one here says, now Germany is full. This is, oh, Balder, you've changed your, uh, your, your picture. Heavens above, almost human. He says, now Germany is full. Will you follow Bob Geldof and open up the Steve Allen mansion to three refugee families? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I did agree with Nigel Farage. I don't often agree with anything he says. But when he said, if we're going to bring people in, fine, bring them in. Make sure we know who they are. Make sure they get properly vetted. Because ISIS have already said that, um, that they're going to try and get people in. And they will think of lots of devious ways. They've got to be properly... You can't just go, oh, you're a refugee, come in. Because of the picture of that poor little boy. And then I read the Sunday papers. I began to wonder if I was reading the right things. Because now they're saying that the boy's father, the one who has moved back to Syria, they said that he was the people smuggler. He was the one who was taking the money. And yet I thought the aunt lent him £2,600. Now, whether or not... And this is where I'm, I'm having to think outside the box because I've got no idea what I'm talking about on this one. Do you think she gave him £2,600 so he could buy the boat? You don't think the boat cost £2,600, do you? And if so, and he was the people's smuggler, what was he doing with his own kids and wife on there? That seems a bit odd. He's, he's denied it and said, listen, if I'm the people's smuggler, where's all the money and this kind of stuff? But uh, there's this woman who was on the boat and she said he'd offer to give me back my money. She said, but he was, he was the one that we paid the money to. Something's not right, is it? Whatever it is, we end up with a, with a body on a beach. And now you've got four more bodies as well, because that's on the front page of one of the papers today. Four babies dying in this boat horror. And, and now we just, I'm sorry to say, it just becomes a newspaper headline. It just becomes a newspaper headline. They say 15 children have drowned in the latest refugee crisis boat tragedy. So we went into meltdown 
because of that little baby's body on the beach who was face down because that struck a chord with everybody. And we looked at it and everybody was affected and his brother and his mother died as well. So three members of the same family. And now you get four babies die in this boat horror and 15 children. And there's nobody jumping up and down. They're just going, oh, right, it's another, another refugee who has, who's died. That's all it is, isn't it? They don't, we don't think about it. And yet you see these people walking down railway tracks, you know, lots of little kids, and, and you think, they've got no idea where they're going, not a clue. They're just wandering aimlessly throughout Europe, hoping to find somewhere where they can sort of start a life or do something. But as Nigel Farage says, lovely to welcome people in. We have a history of doing that over the years, but we have to check, be and check and double check to make sure that we know exactly who these people are. We just don't want anybody wandering into the country. Uh, poor old Chris Evans. You know he was trying to sell a load of cars a short while ago. Twelve classic cars he had, which could have realised £8 million. Well, now it turns out that uh, he only shifted, I think, a few. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a company called Zimple. Zimple, as lots of people do. And all he got was £1,312,000. Plenty of bids, but there was nothing that sort of realised what they were looking for. Nobody claimed the most expensive motors, £2.6 million Ferrari, a £2.3 million Ferrari Daytona Spider. He also failed to sell his Chitty Chitty Bang Bang replica and his uh, Ferrari. It's a quarter of a million for the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang replica. If it had been original, it would have been different. But anyway, uh, his auction raised more than £50,000 for children in need. So I can't, I can't knock him for that. It's just that he didn't sell as much as he wanted to. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There'll be another time. That's how sometimes you see things on the telly, on the auction shows, and they, uh, and they go to auction, and, and they go, oh, it's obviously not the right auction, because they just don't get a bid. They go, all right, start me off at 50. Anybody 50? 40? 20? OK, somebody start me at 10, and then it gets going at 10. They go 15, 20, 25. Any advance on 25? Th- 30, thank you, sir. 30, 30, 35, madam, thank you. Any advance on 35, and... Ow. <laughs> that's, and that's how the auction works. It was always uncanny, wasn't it? I can recreate the scenes. I'll do Ben-Hur later for you, if you ask nicely. I'm a bit bored about Stephen Gerrard. I'm even more bored with his dreary, attention-seeking wife, who's now got her own photographer, so every time she wanders out of the front door or breaks wind, the photographer takes a picture, and uh, here she is. And so he's obviously got a book out, and he's blasted teammates for making long and petty complaints during the World Cup in South Africa. He admits he was staggered by the unbelievable whinging of some prima donna stars. Uh, and then you look at the picture of his wife, and if ever there was a prima donna, there she is. There she is. The death row nana, and the grandchild she had never met. This is the woman who was uh, drug smuggling. And this is uh, Lindsay Sandiford, set to be executed by a firing squad. To be honest with you, they've dragged it out so long now, she's reverted back to smiling. Before, she wasn't smiling because she was quite worried about it. But anyway, she's now been allowed a family visit and uh, she got to meet her granddaughter for the first time. So they played together in a visiting room and surrounded by friends and supporters who have been fighting against the death penalty. She was caught with £1.6 million worth of cocaine. And as far as I'm concerned, that carries the death penalty. I couldn't care less what was going on beforehand. She had it in her suitcase, like those two other drug smugglers. Oh, some man asked you to just bring it in, did you? You were drug smugglers. The misery that that... I mean, what I think they should have done with this uh, this old baggage is um, is sort of let it go through its natural course to see where it ended up. Because she obviously sort of says, oh, no, it was uh, it was all there and, uh, you know, they were, they were, you know, attacking my family and so I had to do it and everything else. You think, well, why don't you just go to the police? 
like normal people. Just go to the police like normal people. Somebody's asked me to bring in, you know, all of this here and I don't want to. You go to the police. No, instead she treks a suitcase through, you know, the only place in the world, well, one of the places where they have the death penalty for drug smuggling. And 1.6 million ain't a small amount of drugs. It's quarter to four. Steve Allen on LBC. Isn't it awful? You go into a care home just when you think you can sort of rest and things like that. And the staff are told you must not call residents sweetie or darling. Well, I mean, the whole of show business is going to collapse, ladies and gentlemen. Sweetie and Darling are staples. If I can't remember somebody's name, Sweetie. I remember the late Pamela Cundell, who was uh, in Robbie Box's Mum, and then she was in Dad's Army, loads of things. I mean, she was what I call old show business. She'd see me, she'd go, Steve, darling! That's what she was like, seriously. I mean, you, you couldn't miss Pamela Cundell at all. Anyway, here is the Wendy house. It's five foot seven inches. It's a Wendy house. And it's uh, Michael Heron with his partner. Again, they're not married. And uh, I don't think people bother getting married nowadays, do they? So the kids are... Yeah, well, anyway. Anyway, so in one corner of their little garden, and it is a pokey little garden, it's, uh, and it's largely hidden by the fence, is their Wendy house. Anyway, uh, Mr Heron and his partner, Jenna, condemned the ludicrous red tape and vowed they would not take the £239 house down because you don't need planning permission for a shed... So why would you need it for a, a Wendy house? Anyway, Oldham Council forced the couple to apply for permission after First Choice Homes Oldham, which owns their home in Diggle, Greater Manchester, received a complaint from a neighbour. <laughs> Mr Heron said full-time mother Miss Hume was left in tears. Oh, God, grow up, for God's sake, dear. These people... I'm sorry, we were traumatised. We my family were drunk on the plane. Remember the other story from Gran Canaria? And uh, the family were informed of the council's decision. I was surprised we were asked to get permission, but uh, the fact that they've then turned it down is disgusting, said Mr Heron, who's a councillor himself, an unmarried councillor. So the couple put the house up overnight for their son Jacob's fourth birthday. They've also got a daughter, still not married. Mr Heron says, we don't have a back garden. We don't have a back garden. Oh, wait a minute, so where is this? And the kids are clearly too young to go and play in public. This is somewhere safe and fun for them to be outdoors. Anyway, he got an email on the last week of June from First Choice Homes Oldham to inform him of the complaint. We had to check with the council if we were allowed the Wendy house. We were surprised because in the few weeks that had been up, nobody raised the problem with us. Oh, as usual, busybody neighbours. We were given a deadline to either take it down or apply for planning permission. So we put together an application and thought it'd be fine. The application cost £172. I can't believe that a children's plaything is being taken so seriously. The council has said there are rules about buildings at the front of the house, but we haven't got a rear guard. Oh, that's why it's at the front. So it's at the front. They've obviously got AstroTurf. Oldham Council said two objections were received. Its planning report declared the playhouse appears highly conspicuous within the street scene to the detriment of the visual amenity of the area. Have you heard such claptrap from Oldham Council? Why, I here we go, lads. Wait for this one. The uh, playhouse appears highly conspicuous within the street scene to the detriment of the visual amenity of the area. Why don't you stick it where the sun doesn't shine? It added that there were no conditions that could have been imposed to make the development acceptable. One villager says, I see this lovely little playhouse every day. It's gorgeous. People need to concentrate on real issues. However, one of those who objected to the toy house who declined to give her name. Oh, she's an old wizened biddy-bozzy. Busybody. She's a, tur a curtain twitcher. Got so excited. Says, they didn't get planning permission when they should have. I 
don't have to explain myself. They broke the rules. Who are you, love? Let's name and shame. Who's the old busybody with a wizened old face? You could see a curtain twitching. What's going on over there? They've got a Wendy house. It's in the front garden. I'm going to get the council onto you. I'm going to make sure you take it down. Imagine getting planning permission for something that's, that's a flat pack. You know, you don't need one foot. And because it's in the front garden, it spoils my view. The planning at the playhouse appears highly conspicuous within the street scene to the detriment of the visual amenity of the area. It means you can see it. But Oldham Council are so stuck up their own rear ends, they've got no idea. So these poor little children have got nowhere to play. Because an old wizened old busybody, probably with a broomstick she rides around on, has decided that she's going to make... They only had two complaints. But it's because it's in the front garden. It's like somebody having a fountain, isn't it, in the front garden. I think that is detriment to the area. Don't want people seeing my fountain. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's a Wendy house. At the end of the day, it's a Wendy house. It's a little Wendy house. The problem they've got is it's in the front garden. Had it been in the back garden, they would have been all right. But it was in the front garden. So they've fallen foul. I tell you, you want to go round, don't you? And you want to, you know, just <laughs> to the neighbours and start putting... What you want to do in her front garden is put loads of little Wendy houses. Just get a company to come in and just put hundreds of them. So when she walks out, like Victor Meldrew, you know, so the, the, the whole neighbourhood clubbed together and got all these gnomes, which they, which they had put in his front garden. Oh, which I thought was wonderful. Uh, we found a couple of fraudsters in the paper today. I don't think there's a day goes by in this country where I do not find uh, fraudsters. And here is one here. Her name's Sarah Cawthorn. She's a real nasty piece of work, this one. She conned brides out of 120 grand. She left uh, 100 women in the lurch after taking deposits. Through her company, a little bit of bling, she promised to provide chocolate fountains, dance floors and canopies. But instead she was a thieving old rat bag. She took the money to fund a gambling addiction and took the family to Disney World. My God, that must have been a gambling addiction, 120 grand. She was reported to trading standards. Anyway, and uh, she admitted fraudulent trading. Less than five months later, she's been released on licence and made to wear an electronic tag. How much does she have to pay back out of the £122,434 that she thieved from people? Pound. Just a pound, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if you were one of those people, your blood must be boiling by now, I should imagine. Apparently there's no assets to be sold. I bet there isn't. I could find some. If she's driving a car, we'll have that. She's got a television. Let's have that back. Literally, I'll take every brick of where she lives. She's been ordered to pay a pound within 28 days. One of the victims, Sarah Broadley, says it's disgusting. She's only spent a few months in jail. I'm speechless. Yes, I'm also fairly speechless too. What sort of judge goes uh, just f- a few months in jail and £123,000 or whatever it was and uh, just pay back a pound, OK? If you, if you can't pay that back, you'll go back to prison again. A pound. A pound. You'll probably find it down the back of the sofa. And she's got no no assets. Just doesn't make any... Uh, just doesn't make any sense, does it? I'm not surprised people have got no faith in the law. No faith in the law. I was a bit disappointed at Rita Ora's house. Very naff suburbia. I mean, really, really? I thought she'd be living in a, in a snazzy penthouse. She's even got a plastic hedge. A plastic hedge? How tacky. But then I saw her on the uh, programme the other day. I managed to catch, unfortunately, a little bit of the X Factor. God, I'm not surprised it's not doing the business. It's not doing the business. The reason is, it's boring. Nick Grimshaw didn't say anything. I was waiting for him to say something or chip in. You know, Cheryl, she don't know what she's on about half the time. She sort of mumbles away, away, away because, you know, I didn't think you kind of nailed it. And so what they've got now, they seem to have another... Uh, another kind of rule. So, in other words, you go on the programme and uh, and you sing, 
It seems to be different for different people, so they're obviously making up the rules as they're going along. And so you appear to sing, and then if they don't like it, they then go, um, well, you know, you didn't like it. They had some girls who apparently were going to sing gospel, but they didn't sing gospel, they sang somebody else. One of them, way too fat to be wearing a crop top. I mean, seriously, I mean, she was grotesque, and she's got a crop top on. I thought, not if you're fat, dear. Really, this is supposed to. This is you know, it's the pop music industry. So they've allowed them to come back and sing a gospel song. You know, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? That you know, people, you know, they get overwrite. So that that song didn't work. We got another one, and then they do it, and you think, well, that's contrived, isn't it? That's all contrived. They knew they were going to do that to start with. You know, they all of a sudden they go, okay, that's our first choice of song. If they don't like that one, then we've got this one here. You know, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That is the thing. That, you know, they, they just make it up as they go along. They had five five boys who also came from a gospel choir. Uh, they're so desperate now, they're literally taking people out of the gospel choirs and going, can you sing? Of course they can, but they're average. Very, very average. There's nothing very clever about it. But the girls were terrible. Terrible. Even poor old Cheryl. I mean, she didn't know anything about the music business anyway, but she was saying, you know, uh, why, hey, because you're not worth it. And, uh, and then they were all sitting there. It's the dullest panel I think I've ever seen. Seriously, if you stuck a rocket underneath it, it wouldn't even elevate it to the position of where you would be interested in what they were talking about. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, 84850. Jamie says, uh, I reckon in an earlier life you were a Sotheby- Sotheby's auctioneer. There was a, a great song years ago. You'll have to dig it out on YouTube. And I think it's called, I might be wrong, because sometimes the memory plays tricks. Like sometimes I believe I'm a radio presenter. And uh, and it's called The Auctioneer. And it's going to $5, $30, $30, $40. Who give me $40, $40, $40? Who give me $40 bill? In a $5, $30, $30, $20, $20. Bill. And it goes like that. I can't remember who the guy is, but it was one of those songs that I tried to learn years ago. And as you've just discovered, I cannot sing either. But I sing very well in the car. I sing very well in the car, I promise you. I don't sing in the shower. People say they sing in the shower for the acoustics. I don't. I'm in the shower to uh, to sort of just have a shower. I'm certainly not in there for uh, for anything else apart from... And definitely not singing. But in the car, I love singing. I love singing. I could sing quite happily. I'm sure people think I'm mad as a toothbrush. They watch me sitting there. And also, if I'm sitting at traffic lights and I'm talking to myself, I'm totally convinced that people think I'm on the phone. So I, I, I'm able to have a conversation with myself in the car and get away with it without people thinking. You know, if I was, if I did it in the car I've got at the moment, believe you me, they would, they would be calling the police, thinking I was mad. But, uh, but they don't do that. They don't do that. And so if I'm driving my car, they let me, they let me get away with it. Uh, it's going to get wetter. The weather. I cannot offer you any crumb of comfort on that one. So it doesn't really matter, does it? It's, it's, it's good. It's bad. It's indifferent. It means you're going to get wet. So today I brought an umbrella. Uh, we have got an X Factor story. Jade Maguire. She's got a secret. She's got a secret. I'm going to tell you what it is. You're not going to like it. She won't like it either. But, of course, it's, uh, it's so amazing that when they, uh, they expose these people... Because the moment you go on television, all of a sudden, so-called friends crawl out the woodwork. Let me tell you a secret about Jade Maguire. Oh, has she got a secret? <laughs> but she wants to concentrate on her singing. Not for much longer. Not for much longer. Uh, Grace Jones now says that people are ripping off her look which is slightly surprising. I wouldn't imagine anybody would want to ever be like Grace Jones. Only claim to fame, only claim to fame, is that she hit Russell Harty on the show because she thought that he was ignoring her. Whereas, in fact, she'd had her interview. He was dealing with somebody else. It was a chat show, and so she hit him. 
Um, and it was possibly her most embarrassing moment. She's not particularly talented. She was a Bond girl, but only in one movie. They decided they'd had quite enough of her. And now she's blasted loads of people for mimicking her eccentric style. Her eccentric style, ladies and gentlemen, meant that she was always late. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning. Plenty more to come on your early breakfast show on LBC with me, Steve Allen. Other stories making the news today. Householders being urged to get their gas appliances checked as a new report reveals hundreds are injured every year. The world's going to continue to heat up over the next few years. Experts warning of a return to global warming. The cast of The Martian hope the film would reignite interest in space exploration. The movie, directed by Ridley Scott, stars Matt Damon as an astronaut stranded on the planet Mars. And much of the film features the actor by himself. Uh, So, uh, we've also got the story about Elton John confronting Putin on gay rights. I think Putin, as I say, we all think homoerotic, but will Elton get his wish? I shouldn't think so. News is next. It's breakfast. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday. I know you don't want it to be, but it is, and you've got to do the best of it. And it's a bit wet, and it's a bit damp today, but it doesn't really matter. Corbyn has named his shadow cabinet. Uh, Lots of people out. They'll be wandering around the corridors now going... Uh, perhaps we can get a job on Newsnight or someone being a pundit or something like that. Nothing worse than when you're out, is there? And they sort of go, but I mean, some of these are quite big names. What are they going to do? Who knows? Who knows? He's named the people he wants and the others just go whistle. So the papers are full of that this morning. Uh, the X Factor hopeful Jade Maguire has got a bit of a secret. I wonder why she didn't want to tell us. I thought she'd be keen to tell you this, but, uh, but she didn't. And uh, saying hi, love, isn't very PC. The care home's been blasted. Don't use these words. You can't use darling or love or poppet or petal or precious or anything like that because it's patronising. I think they need to get over themselves. I'm sick to death of PC people. It drives me mad. I say that all the time to people. Hello, poppet. What's the matter with that? You know, if it's an elderly person, hello, love. What's the matter? Loads of people do that. Heavens above, Paul Cooper would be out of business if he didn't say hello, love to people. You know, that's how it works. Incidentally, I'm opening his shop tomorrow at five o'clock in Twickenham. <laughs> now he's had all the signage put up and everything else. He is actually open, but we sort of, we're just going to do it officially and everything else. So if, you, if you're around and you live in the Richmond area, then at five o'clock tomorrow, I shall be down there. It'll be lovely. Patrick says, I saw The X Factor yesterday. A wonderful version of Somewhere brought me to tears. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Somebody said, I can't stop listening to you. Your brain amazes me. Yes, it amazes me too, to be honest with you. I mean, even I'm quite surprised at how I can be such a quiet... I'm almost as shy in the radio world as the Beckhams are about publicity and photographs. I mean, I'm a shy, retiring little wallflower. Wouldn't say boo to a goose at all. Uh, Jason, the avid listener, Bailiff, says the auctioneer's song is Leroy Van Dyke. He says, remember this well, as there was a famous ventriloquist who did the song in the 80s, which brought back memories. It's that the, somebody else has written into me on what they thought it was. It's not that, I can't remember if it's Leroy Van Dyke. bill. That's the only bit that you'll have to go on today. If you can't get it from that, we all might as well just give up. Retalking yourself, says St. Andrew of Highgate. 
I've also got used to the habit of talking to myself as I go, knowing I've got the phone or the headphones still in. The freedom. I was on a train the other day, coming back into town. Must have been, when was it? It must have been for tea on Friday. And um, there's a guy and he's got his headphones in, little things. Because some people wear these enormous headphones, like I wear in the studio. And, um, and then he started singing to himself. And we're all on the train, and it's fairly quiet, and he's sort of... La, 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 la. I'm thinking, does he know he's singing to himself? Perhaps he didn't realise, because some people listen to their music, and they don't, uh, they don't sort of acknowledge anything else, but he, he was singing to it, which was slightly disconcerting. I was going to tap him on the shoulder and go, shh, shh, please. Uh, how does Charlotte Proudman deal with a compliment of her father? Well, you see, now then, you see, I just take issue on that one because having a compliment from your dad is different from having a compliment from somebody you don't know. And I mean, and, and if you take, you know, the, the bottom line that they don't know each other at all for somebody to give you a compliment. Mind you, I get compliments from people who don't know me. You know, people write in and go, I think you're really good. And I should go, listen, do not judge me on my programme. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. You know, I could be quite sort of difficult about it. You know, I, I, you know, just judge me on my mind, not on the content of the show. Which, of course, of, this, of which there is very little, I think, at the moment. But it is interest that, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's sort of split the masses over this one. That's what Marion pointed out. And, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. People are very divided on it. Some people thinking that she made the right decision to round on him because he was old. And then she picked on the fact that he was older than her, which made it sort of come across as a bit dirty and a little bit seedy, which, of course, it might have been. But I think there's something the matter with her mind as well, because it was when she went public with it that I then disagreed. You know, this was a private matter, nothing to do with anybody. And of course, now she's been judged again because now people look at her and I'm sort of frightened to sort of say, you know, you're good looking. Not that I think she's good looking. It's not even a stunning photograph. It's just somebody with a head turned to the right. That's all it is. My, my publicity shot's better than hers. I look much better looking. And I haven't cut my fringe to within an inch of its life. I mean, that fringe is done... You can imagine, she combs it down every morning. Oh, there's a hair out of place. I'm just... You know, that's, that's what people are now doing to her. That's what people are now doing to her. They're now talking about her because she's obviously preoccupied with the way she looks. She must be. She must be. Grace Jones has always been mad as a fruitcake. And uh, she, uh, her, her Slave to the Rhythm album, Slave to the Rhythm, she was never a singer, never a singer. She sort of warbled her way through it and just sort of basically cavorted around on stage and was a bit of a bit of a pain, I think. But uh, anyway, she's, oh, that's why she's written her memoirs. As if any, who's going to buy that? Nobody knows who she is really nowadays. But uh, she says here she's dismissed the new generation of female singers as a passing phase she thinks that, uh, she said, I've been copied by people who have made fortunes. People assume I'm rich, but I did things for the excitement, the dare, not the money. Yeah, well, she was never, she was never there turning up on time. That was the thing, wasn't it? People say, well, is, is Grace Jones on yet? No. How late is she now? About an hour and a half. I think, you know, if somebody turns up late on stage, I think you say to the audience, tell you what, let's all go and leave her with an empty hall. That's the thing to do. Show these, but I can't bear people who are late. Elizabeth Taylor was terrible. Elizabeth Taylor, you'd sit there. And you'd have to wait while she sort of tarted herself up. And then if she deigned to actually come near you, I mean, she was at least an hour and a half late on loads of things. Loads of things. You think it's just rude. Like me saying, you know, I'm not going to turn up for the uh, for the show today. I'll be, I'll be with you about 20 past four. Well, that's not going to work, is it? Lots of pictures of a dad's desperate swim for life with a tot. So in other words, there's people drowning here and somebody takes a picture, which then goes around the world. And it's a super quality picture. So whether this actually came from a, a boat or whatever... Locals on the Greek island uh, have pulled in. This is on Lesbos. 
Uh, I always laugh when I think of that. I don't know why. The island of Lesbos. I don't know why. And uh, 90 minutes, 10 dinghies arrived. The international organisation says 309,000 people have arrived in Greece by sea so far this year. And they're all sort of on these dinghies, which don't hold them, and they manage to get this far, and then all of a sudden the thing starts to sink. So they manage to get that far, and then it starts sinking. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit sad now, but now we don't, we don't care, do we? They put it on the front page of the paper. Four babies die. Fifteen children died in these dinghies coming in. And yet that one picture, that one picture changed everything. Anne Reid has been stunned to find out that her journalist father was, a, was running a spy ring in the Second World War. The news was broken uh, during this uh, Who Do You Think You Are programme. Because they do this where people go and find out about their family. You'd think people would know, wouldn't you, actually? She said, I'll put in a man. She had no idea why she was there. But anyway, she explained, I was put in a room with a man who was an ex-MI6 and now works in research. She said, do you know anything about your father's war record? All I knew was that he was with intelligence because he didn't have to have his letters censored. Turns out he ran a spy ring in Greece. They showed me the official secrets act that he'd signed. It was a criminal offence to disclose any of it. Anne, star of Last Tango in Halifax, couldn't believe what she was hearing about her father, Colin, who had worked as a foreign correspondent for the Daily Telegraph. She said, I don't think my mother knew. The research man asked if my father had been active after the war. Well, how would I know, she said. He was a journalist in Cyprus in the Middle East, so it's possible. But Daddy would never have told us. I don't think my mother would have taken it terribly seriously because people did extraordinary things in the war. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting. Very, very interesting. That uh, the extraordinary revelation of her dad's MI6 past is not mentioned in the BBC programme, which airs on Thursday, and follows the tragic story of Anne's Scottish great-great-grandfather, John Reed, a teacher with drink and debt problems. He forged his father-in-law's signature to borrow money in 1839, but was caught and exiled from his wife and three children to Tasmania. Never saw the family again. Anne said, I'm so full of revenge. So isn't that interesting that her father, who was a spy... It's far more interesting to the other one, and yet they're not going to put that on the programme. I thought the whole idea of that programme was that you had people sitting there, and they said, oh, by the way, your father was this, your father was that, and they go, oh, right, and that's the revelation. But they don't put that bit in there. They put down the one who was exiled to Tasmania. Hilarious, hilarious. Other stories. This is uh, Boris Becker's daughter, Anna, who's a hit in a gown and gems. She made her high society debut at Queen Charlotte's Ball at Kensington Palace. They're not still having that, are they? Good God, that went out with the Ark. That's where people used to be presented at court. She's not a looker, unfortunately, poor old Boris Becker's daughter. She's inherited his non-looks. And um, uh, tennis legend Boris, whose fling with Anna's mum, Angela, ended his marriage, said of his girl, I've got a beautiful daughter, I love her. She's, she's very plain, I'm sorry to say. She's very, very average. Just putting somebody in a ball gown with white white gloves. And what's she doing going to a Queen Charlotte thing? She's not British, is she? They stick anybody in these things now, don't they? They used to have it ages and ages ago. They had the coming out ball and you'd be presented at court. Now, I mean, that died out a long, long time ago. They don't do The Queen's got far better things to do than anything else. Mo Farah brought tens of thousands to the streets of Tyneside as he won his second Great North Run in a row. And, of course, did that usual thing where he puts his hands on his head... I mean, it's becoming a bit tedious now, isn't it? Jog on the tines, all mine, all mine. Jog on the tines, all mine. You know, you get the drift of it. Uh, more on poor old Lily Allen. I mean, really, the attention-seeking, dreary Lily Allen, who's getting those dirty phones. I'm surprised she's not been to the police. If they'd come from anybody else, she'd have called the police in, yet because it's Zayn Malik apparently sending things, that uh, she's not saying anything at all. 
Very odd. Uh, now that Britain's Got Talent is over, Alicia Dixon has been trawling the web to find new music. Yes, I don't want to see her disappear, actually. We have that, that problem, don't we, that sort of people sort of around for a while, then all of a sudden the record companies aren't interested and they're not selling the records anymore. I couldn't even tell you what was in the charts. I would have no idea what was number one. Oh, I know what's number one. It's a remix of the Michael Jackson, Jackson 5 song, ABC. ABC, easy as one, two, three. No, no, don't rain me. ABC, ABC, bunny, you and me. Gonna give it up, gonna give it You know, <laughs> Steve Allen could hit the charts very easily. And uh, so he's back in, but it's, it's one of those sample records. And so that's, that's uh, the Jacksons back in the charts again. How cool is that? Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. Charlotte Proudman, remember? Surely, yes, of course. She's the barrister who accused a male solicitor of sexism after he described her photograph on a business website as stunning. Is this young woman taking it too far? Completely. Totally too far. I've been on LinkedIn. I've probably had three approaches from random men who I've no idea who they are saying, literally, I like your picture. Tell me, what is the lure of Lidl? Have you been won over? Got good... A good report everywhere, every time you read in the papers or, you know, and their products seem to compare well in taste tests. Did you know what I mean? Nick Ferrari at breakfast, every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. Nick and the team with you this morning at uh, 7 o'clock, and I can tell you the Prime Minister and the Defence Secretary say that Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn is a risk to national security. Is he? Germany does a U-turn and says, Nichtmehr. No more migrants. And would a 50-50 male-female cabinet win your vote? All of that and more this morning. Also going to be talking, I think, to White D on the programme and asking her opinion on uh, uh, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Excuse me, guffawing small in my own little mind. Uh, Stephanie Callister is a journalist, broadcaster and former Sky News presenter. She's going to be going through the papers with Nick after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Here was an interesting conundrum. When Bruce Forsyth left Strictly Come Dancing, uh, he makes a very important announcement in the Weekend magazine. He says, people keep saying, Claudia Winkleman stepped in for me in Strictly. He says, nothing can be further from the truth. Claudia is doing Tess Daly's job. Tess is doing my job. I mean, Tess, with hardly any track record of presenting at all, and seriously, and that it shows, it comes through in it, that, you know, she's not the world's greatest presenter. The person who's more experienced is Claudia. But in other words, Claudia is Tess's assistant, except that Sir Bruce was a big star and Tess really was his assistant because she didn't feature hardly at all. She wasn't, wasn't even up to his standards. She wasn't even fit to be on the same stage as far as I was concerned. I still wanted to know where she came from. I was curious as to what track record she appeared to have had or didn't have at the time. But anyway... Uh, Tess, 46. Oh, God, we're heading up to the Magic 50, aren't we? And Claudia, 43. Isn't it funny you'd have had him around the other way? Would you not? I always thought that Claudia Winkleman was way much older. But it uh, seems more like an e- equal partnership, a duo. So why are people saying Claudia and not Tess has taken over from Sir Bruce? Possibly because Claudia gets more useful publicity than Tess. So after dropping her fringe, she changed her mind, tweeting, Twitter, I love you. No fringe equals bad fringe equals good. Consider it done. And because she gets the cut... See, nobody's really interested in Tess Daly. There's nothing she does that's remotely interesting to anybody. She just literally, you know, just stands there and presents. Whereas at least you know, with Claudia Winkleman, she's mad. She's mad as a barrel load of frogs. 
I do like the story, though, because I, I never thought about who was taking over. I just thought we haven't got Bruce Forsyth. And so you've now got two women presenting it, which is fine. I don't have any problem with anything like that. We don't have enough women presenting on television, uh, mainly because if you put them on a new programme, they're not going to rate. And if you if you put them on an established programme like this, it's fine because the programme sells itself. Nobody could care less whether it was Tinky Winky La La or Poe presenting Strictly Come Dancing. The care home workers have now been told uh, you must not call residents Sweetie or Darling. Uh, this is the uh, the Brackenley residential care home in Harrogate in North Yorkshire. And they've been reprimanded, the care home workers there, for calling residents affectionate names Sweetie, Love, Darling and Handsome. When you're dealing with a man of about maybe 80 or something like that, that you know, this care staff's get morning handsome. And that's, I think that's nice. Perhaps I'm obviously out on, out on a kilter on that one. You know, Sweetie, morning love, how are you? It makes people feel a bit, they're in Harrogate. They're north of Watford. That's what they say up there. Hello, love. Hello, Chucky Bun. How are you? Hello, darling. Morning. Hello, handsome. If I was an old man, uh, well, if I was an old man, uh, you know, and I was sitting in a chair in a care home, you know, and hadn't really been bothered to get up to go to toilet, you know, because you, you can do that when you get a bit older. Just sort of sit there and smile, you know, staring at the picture on the wall. And uh, and, and somebody came out and go, morning, handsome. I'd be going, morning. And it puts a smile on your face. Makes you feel good. If I go out into the newsroom after I finish doing the programme this morning, you know, and I say to one of the newsreaders or whoever's doing travel, you know, morning, handsome, you know, they're going to respond positively. Anyway, not in this place. Uh, staff also using family nicknames for some, such as Parsnip. Parsnip. <laughs> Critical inspectors have told them the terms were patronising and demeaning to the dozen adults with learning difficulties. Does it really make any difference? Does it just Is a smile not worth a million words? Morning, handsome. Even though they're not, you can say morning, handsome to the most unattractive person you've ever seen. And they glow, don't they? They, they think it's for them. They don't realise you're taking the mickey. So it might be a little bit demeaning, but, but if they don't know about it, who cares? Make it... Morning, handsome. You're not really. I'm just saying that because it's just a word. Like I say to people, hello, gorgeous. I say, don't worry, I don't mean it. I'm just saying it because it's a showbiz kind of expression. It's ridiculous, isn't it, really? So now, you know, residents are being... You know, told that they... I, mean, I should imagine be sitting there be going, why, why didn't the nurse say morning handsome to me? She's not allowed to use that anymore. Not allowed to use that anymore. <laughs> Ridiculous, honestly. What sort of country are we sort of dishing up here? Do you know that Kim Cottrell has no children? But she thinks she's a mother. I know. I know. I think after a while... And I've interviewed Kim Cottrell. She was the one who told me I was fat. Do you remember? <laughs> I look forward now getting my own back, Kim. And uh, she may be single and have no children, but she does consider herself a mother. She's been married three times. She says, I'm not a biological parent, but I am a parent. I have young actors and actresses that I mentor. I have nieces and nephews that I'm very close to. There is a way to become a mother in this day and age, which doesn't include your name on the child's birth certificate. All right. Oh, well, I feel a bit cooler about the thing now, actually. They still think she was rude to me, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I can let, let her get away with that. Let her get away with it. Uh, half of women cannot throw away clothes that don't fit. So, in other words, you hang on to your clothes for ages, don't you? My friend Helena's very good at... Uh, she takes all her stuff to the charity shops. Literally. She, she goes through the wardrobe about once every month to go, right, that doesn't fit, that doesn't fit, that's too tight. That's Because there's no point in keeping stuff. No point in keeping stuff, so she doesn't. And half of you can't throw away the clothes. Why? Because you misguidedly believe, a bit like Gemma Collins, that, that all of a sudden the weight is going to fall off, which, of course, it doesn't. And then you're going to fit into this. I mean, I've still got a pair of jeans, size 32-inch waist. 
I know. I think it's a joke too. I'm of the opinion that there's no point in keeping a pair of jeans in the wardrobe that are a size 32-inch waist. I couldn't get them past my knees. It's just... And I've, and I've done it because I, I don't like to think I'm expanding in the waste department. I like to think seriously, even though when I pass a window, I think, oh, God, it's all gone pear-shaped. You know, you sort of... You think... Oh, it's all gone west. I knew there was that. But you think to yourself, perhaps one day I might, I might lose weight. I saw, I saw a thing on the television the other day. I nearly bought it because it packs flat. It goes under the bed. And it's a little thing. that You sit on the floor and you can lean. Uh, you lie back and then you go forward and it, it tightens your tummy up. And that's all it is. That's all I need doing. I need the tummy tightening up. I could have, I suppose, some emergency liposuction. But I do not fancy the idea of somebody sticking a Dyson, you know, in my side and go. <laughs> I don't fancy that idea. That's not for me at all. Although I know people who cheat, but I always think it's going to, you know, eventually if I sort of start walking up and down stairs a few more times, the weight might fall off. I think it's unlikely, but I'm still hanging on to the jeans, mainly because I like the colour. Isn't that funny? I don't buy jeans for the size now. I buy them because I like the colour. Uh, Claudia is fantastic. And uh, another one here. It's nice to know that people do like Claudia. I mean, she is mad, isn't she? I don't think. <laughs> Peter reckons that Nick Grimshaw blinks his eyes amazingly. <laughs> he, d- he doesn't really say very much on the programme. Mind you, I don't think when, when Cheryl opens her mouth, she says anything of any consequence at all. Poor soul. You just sit there looking at her thinking, you know, she's obviously lording it over the other two. She can't lord it over Simon because it's his programme. Uh, Patrick says, I booked for my funeral song somewhere. Is that the one that goes, there's a place for us, a time, a place for us. Hold my hand and I'll take you there. From West Side Story, isn't it? I think. And so, uh, well, because, I mean, uh, I love the way you booked it for your funeral song. You're not going to hear it, are you? Unless, of course, you've got some uh, some new system that I'm not aware of. 27 minutes past the, uh, the hour of five o'clock this morning. Uh, also, at the site of Robert Peston's unruly locks... Billowing in the wind, as he reported live, proved too much for one TV executive, it's revealed. The BBC economics editor was sent an email reading, if I may say so, a haircut is looking imperative, and I don't mean an across-the-board spending cut. Because uh, Peston has admitted he's let his hair grow long for a year and admits it is a bit of a problem getting it to stay in place while filming in breezy conditions. He was a bit shocked and upset to get the request and refused to comply. He told the Times magazine that comments on his appearance were wearing. In the same article, top hairdresser uh, Siona Johnson King advised him to ditch the parting and sweep it all back to keep it in order. I love the idea. See, all of a sudden, it's someone said, what do you mean get my hair cut? You're not employing me for my hair cut. You're employing me for the, the words that are coming out of my mouth. So, of course, th- this, this actually could be a nice, uh, a nice little test case. I quite fancy that one. I think that's good, actually. I often wanted to find out what happened to John McCrerick with his age discrimination thing. If you want three children, and I'm sure some of you do, uh, start your family at 23. 23 is the, uh, the time when you can get them all in. Don't move anywhere near poor Rita Ora. Do you know, I really thought she was rock and roll. I didn't, I didn't realise that the house was just a little bit of suburbia. Um, but here she's upset the residents with a tacky plastic hedge along the entire frontage uh, and also across the... Uh, the garage to the rear, so I'm assuming it's part of a, a gate that uh, moves backwards and forwards. She's already moved once before because neighbours com- neighbors complained about the noise. They were having parties, and some people never turned up till one in the morning. What sort of party is it when the people turn up at one in the morning? A very late one. 
God, I can't even imagine turning up at one in the morning. I suppose it's people who've been drinking and they go, where should we go? Oh, let's go to Rita's place. She's having a party and it's an all-nighter. Wow, wow. Uh, Sarah Vine. Actually, if anything was yesterday, Beverly Turner didn't like Sarah Vine at all. Didn't like her uh, comments on, um, on Charlotte Proudman. I wonder if she's going to. I wonder if she's going to pop up again doing something. Else. She think they're going to invite her onto sort of a television program like I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Do you think she could be a contender because it's normally about this time that you get a few people. I mean, she'd be a fool to do it, of course, a complete fool. But if she, if she, she might be delusional enough to believe that if she, oh sorry, if she did something like that, then that that could sort of boost her career. Not as a barrister. Not as a barrister. And uh, Steve Raj is in High Wycombe. And he says, I work at Heathrow Airport. We can't use words like sweetie or darling for the passengers because uh, one of the passengers makes a complaint. We can only say sir or madam. I like sir or madam as well. I think that's quite cool. I think the idea is that if you say... I was explaining to somebody the other day because somebody said, um, you know, what did you used to do before uh, broadcasting? I said, well, I was a child. And, um, and I did work in a, in a department store. And we were taught to go up to people and say, good morning, sir, good morning, madam. Uh, something in particular you're looking for? If they say, no, no, we're just looking, which a lot of people do, say, well, you know, if you need any help, I'm just there, just give me a, a shout. Or failing that, you go, well, what, what sort of things were you looking at today? Because I used to sell carpets, so I'd say, you know, bathroom carpet, light domestic, uh, hall stairways and stuff like that, that'd be heavy domestic, grade five. And so they'd go, oh, yeah, we're looking for something. I said, well, would you like a twist pile, 80-20, which is 80% wool, 20% nylon, to give it the strength? Or do you want industrial, you know, what we call uh, hotel carpet, which is really, really expensive and will last for a long, long time? And they go, oh, we're just looking for something cheap for the bathroom. And you go, OK, we have this in four colours. This is two ninety nine a square yard. That's what it was. I can always tell you that, two ninety nine a square yard, and it came in blue, orange, vile colours, uh, yellow and green, I think. And, and people could take it with them there and then because you could just cut it and then fold it up. Then they'd take it back because it had a rubber back. You know, I'm wasting your time, aren't I, this morning talking about carpets, I can tell. It's, oh, I'm late. Five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's the 14th of September. So where do they go? You know, if, if you've decided that you don't like Jeremy Corbyn, and there's, and there's some big names here, like Chukka Muna, he's quit by mutual agreement. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that you don't look embarrassed because there was nothing for you? Uh, Yvette Cooper will not serve Corbyn. Chris Leslie, Shadow Chancellor, opted for the back benches. Tristan Hunt, uh, citing political differences. Liz Kendall indicated she would resign. Rachel Reeves said she'll quit. Dan Jarvis, the Shadow Justice Secretary, has refused to serve under Corbyn. Josh Woodcock will not be in the Cabinet. Jamie Reid uh, quit during Corbyn's victory speech. Emma Reynolds has resigned. Uh, Ivan Lewis replaced as Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary and Shabana Mahmood, Shadow Chief Secretary to the Treasury, ruled out a role. I mean, where do they go now? Where does Chuck Ramuna go? He's quit by mutual agreement. What does that mean? I'm never too sure. That, you know, they, these sort of things you think, well, obviously, you know, you didn't like it. I mean, do you think that Corbyn... And they'll, they'll be answering all this with Nick Ferrari at breakfast and Ian Dale can't wait to get back on the radio. He was tweeting about it this morning, said he can't wait to get back on so we can talk about it. I mean, you know, do you think seriously think that Corbyn stands a chance of being PM? Would you seriously think that? Or, I mean, is he right for the Labour Party? If all these people are quitting, that shows dissent in the ranks. And I did hear one union leader saying the other, if they don't like it, then they can get out and sling their hooks. Here's the X Factor hopeful, Jade Maguire. What's she hiding? What's her secret? She was hoping this wouldn't get out. It's got out, I'm afraid. Uh, she has links to the criminal underworld. As it emerged that the father of her two children is a gangster and a thug. 
Millions watched her celebrate with daughters Mia and Brandon on Saturday night after impressing the judges with Tina Arena's song, Chains. But the sun can reveal Jade was sucked into the criminal world when she began dating security boss Jamie Bryce, the son of drug dealer James Bryce. He was convicted in 2009 of battering a man with a metal pole. A year later, Jamie was involved in a political blackmail scandal after a council leader was targeted by cocaine dealers in his sister Kelly's pub. He's also got links to Scottish crime lord Jamie Stevenson and fraudster Barry Hughes. Friends of Glaswegian Jade, who is now single, says she's been living in fear of the relationship coming to light. Well, that's the trouble. Every single thing is raked over. The moment you appear on television, somebody's going to go to one of the newspapers. Look, I know this... I know who this is. I'm telling you who she is. Consequently, she was terrified of the repercussions if her relationship with Jamie uh, was made public. He's a very powerful man, and she had no idea how he would react, but she was determined to go ahead and audition for the show. It's, uh, it's an odd one, isn't it, really? Uh, Jade and Jamie is said to have an amicable relationship, and both he and his family are involved with the children. The pal said, this is the one who obviously sold the story in the first place, Jade has never wanted to be defined by this area of her past. You've got two children with him. What do you mean defined by this area of her past? She's got two children with him. I mean, quite clearly, you know, unless they both came along at exactly the same time. This is a long, a long distance relationship. Anyway, she wants to concentrate on her singing. I think it's now been overshadowed. I think that's now possibly sealed your fate, I think, on the programme, because I think the public are going to remember this and uh, they're not going to let you get away with it. They, they just, they're very unforgiving, the British public. You know, we don't want... I mean, I couldn't care less about the sob stories on the programme because we always laugh at them anyway. And that's why, as I said yesterday, the Peter Kay programme, which was the spoof on The X Factor, was fantastic. When one of the contestants in the Peter Kay spoof, uh, his, his, his grandmother died, they went round there to persuade him to go back on the show. They said, well, thank God your grandmother's died. You know, perhaps we can put a picture of her up on the screen and then you can sing to her and things like that. And they do it all the time, don't they? People, people sort of go on there and they've all got their sob stories. You know, why are you here? What, what's the, they always ask the same question. What's the dream? The dream is presumably to annihilate the entire panel and take over the show and win and make a fortune. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? People, people want to, to be successful. But when you look at them, I mean, there's no way looking at this, at this Jade Maguire. She might have the world's best voice. She's not going to make it. She's absolutely... The best she'll make is bar singing in Alicante. That's about as good as it's going to get. They don't do... They're looking for young people. They're looking for people... What they're looking for is a group that they can mould and they can do a One Direction with. I mean, that was just a godsend, putting them all together. That was inspired. You know, when you look at this this woman here, and now you know about the, uh, the criminal links to her, and also you look at, at her look... That does not say pop star to me. That says, you know, she, if, depending on how good the voice is, could she make it in the West End? Could she be a West End Wendy? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it would be quite interesting to find out. But many of them do not make it. It doesn't matter how good the voice is. It doesn't matter how good. They're looking for a particular thing. Remember, Simon is looking to make a lot of money. Lot of money. Somebody says, bit unfair, Jade getting dragged in. Well, it's her history. These are these two children with this, uh, with this nasty little piece of work. Not a crime to have a baby with idiots. I think he's a bit more than an idiot. I think he's a bit more than an idiot. He's a, he's a vicious gangster. An idiot would be a simpleton. This isn't a simpleton. This is a vicious gangster. Um, I can't stand it, says Murray, when waiters and waitresses call customers guys. Where are you eating? Guys? Oh, is that when you go in somewhere? Hi, guys. I'm going to be your waitress for today. My name's Cynthia. 
And uh, what would you like? And they always kneel down by the table. They do in certain places, which you're probably well aware of. And then they go, OK, so let's uh, let's see. What would you, what would you like? Uh, I'll just have a chocolate milkshake. Sprinkles? Sorry? Sprinkles? OK, I'll have sprinkles. Chocolate sprinkles? OK. Multicoloured sprinkles? What sort of sprinkles do you want? And before you know where you are, you've added pounds and pounds and pounds to the bill. But uh, always entertaining. But guys, I think that's the only place. You'd only get it in burger joints, wouldn't you? If you go into a normal restaurant, hi, guys, you're not going to get that. You're really not. You're obviously eating, Murray, in the wrong places. I met Robert Peston, says uh, St Andrew of Highgate the other day. He was extraordinarily more handsome and charming than the TV might suggest. Yes, I mean, sometimes you see people who are on the television. I saw um, uh, Carluccio the other day. And... Uh, what's his, I can't remember what his first name is. Anyway, and he was walking through Leicester Square. I said to a friend of mine, I said, that's um, Carluccio. He said, oh, right. <laughs> he said, who's he? I said, he's a chef on the television. Lord. Um, somebody else who says they've, they've seen Robert Peston. They're not particularly bothered about the hair. Obviously, uh, somebody at the BBC is a bit upset about his hair. Does it matter, though? I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I really think, you know, um, I think we need to have some transgender people reading the news. I mean, it must be the only place where we don't have transgender people. I mean, it can't be too far away, can it, to have a transgender person reading the news or, or doing links on, on the television? Makes sense, doesn't it? Um, other one here, which says, uh, Rita Ora looks like the, uh, the daughter of Ken and Barbie. <laughs> you imagine. Poor old Ken and Barbie. There is another story in the papers today, uh, and this is um, primary school children have been encouraged to write letters of support to jailed Muslim extremists. Uh, obviously, it's not in the sort of school that you or I would know about, but these are Muslim primary school kids. And uh, they, have to, uh, they have to write letters to these people. Uh, this is the Muslim Prisoners Group was set up to support all Muslims in jail, but it's campaigned on behalf of hate cleric Anjam Chowdhury, as well as uh, Adi Bajola and retweeted a rant brandishing the UK as a Nazi state. It's run by Abdul Muhid. Jailed in 2007 after a London protest, currently on bail, after being accused of belonging to a prescribed organisation. He said the letters would raise prisoner spirits. The idea is they're in prison for a reason. There's a reason for people going into prison. And one of the letters reads, these are from little children, may Allah free you from prison and may he reward you for everything you've done. They haven't done anything, that's why they're in prison. My God, dumb school children as well. It's not looking promising, is it? I like the idea that Victoria Beckham has given her blessing or the nod like she was the inspiration for the Spice Girls. She's the most successful one out of the Spice Girls, but uh, she's given the nod to reunite for their 20th anniversary without her. Darling, they couldn't care less whether you're with them or whether you're not with them. Why would they bother about it? You never did anything in the, in the group anyway. You were the least inspiring. You know, if you want you know, proof of that, watch. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Watch the video. See how long it is before Victoria Beckham fit. Practically near the end. She just sort of, you know, does a little bit of dancing, a little bit of posturing, and that's it. So she's given the nod to the Spice Girls. Well, how nice. How nice. Uh, apparently, uh, she had a secret meeting with Jerry Halliwell. Well, who's told them about this? Probably Jerry Halliwell. I mean, if it was a secret meeting, why are we hearing about it? And apparently, Victoria's agreed to attend at least one of the shows in the front row, or fro, as the fashionistas call it. So, in other words... This was the group that she was in, which kind of launched her. Without that, nobody would have ever heard of Victoria Beckham, because her father's a plumber. And, and she's going to go and sit in the front row and watch them doing their show, is she? Pfft. 
And they're going to go, Lady Victoria Beckham, like she's, a, it's not silly, is she? She's, she's learnt how to twist them all around her, her finger. So Jerry filled Victoria in on the plans for the reunion. And while Victoria made it clear she couldn't make it. My God, this, there, there are a lot of secrets going on here when you consider nobody knew about it. She couldn't make it, but she was more than happy for the other girls to go ahead. It's wrong to suggest she would try to stop them doing it if the other girls wanted to. Well, how could she stop it? What's it got to do with her? She doesn't own the name Spice Girls, does she? Or something like that? And so you're going to end up with Mel B, Mel C and Emma Bunton. And obviously they'll sound exactly the same because, I mean, as I say, Victoria never featured at all and she's given permission. Don't be so silly, don't you get permission from Victoria Beckham to do anything? Let's just go out with Brooklyn. But he has a girlfriend, doesn't he? Luckily they posted the pictures already. They're so publicity shy. I don't know really how they get through their life. Seriously, they're constantly trying to hold back pictures that appear in the papers of Victoria shopping, David holding Harper, because she has an inability to walk, uh, Harper with a hat on, Harper without a hat on, Brooklyn with his girlfriend, uh, Brooklyn with his arms round his girlfriend, and then Romeo, who comes out. I mean, they're really... I mean, I, we hardly know anything about them. I feel a bit guilty, actually. I'm even mentioning them on the programme, because most of it I have to make up, because I never see a picture of the Beckhams. Do you ever see pictures? of the Beckhams? No, me neither. Call it to Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six. Well, nearly, nearly ten to six. Nearly ten to six. Uh, out on the town the other day, it's uh, Brooke Vincent. Apparently, she's in Coronation Street. No, I didn't know who she was either. I've heard the name, but I couldn't tell you what the character is. But uh, she went out with the Towie cast. And um, she was at Jess Wright's 30th birthday bash. It's, it's, I mean, poor old Jess Wright. She's getting older by the day, isn't she? The most boring character in The Only Way is Essex. I mean, one of them. They've got so many boring people in there. It's a bit like Ollie Locke over in Made in Chelsea. Terribly dreary, terribly uninteresting, and really just dullards. I mean, Jessica Wright is a dullard. I think she was the one who, uh, they, they did a survey, didn't they, on how many times she'd, she'd broken down in tears on the programme. She spends most of her time in tears. Mind you, you would, wouldn't you, if you sort of, you don't really have a lot going for you, and your last boyfriend ditched you because you were dull and uninteresting. So the best she's got, I should imagine, will be an OK shoot, because they'll sort of go, yeah, we'd like to film my birthday party. Yeah, how old are you, dear? I'm 30. <laughs> She's got to be older than 30. She's got to be older. She can't be under 30. It's not physically possible. And uh, more on the uh, the care home. I thought love is OK. You seem to be fairly OK with love. Love, pop it, petal. Handsome is just such a good one, isn't it? Gorgeous, I think, is great. If you say so, hello, gorgeous. I've said that to people. Not around here, admittedly. But, I mean, you know, I've said it to people. Morning, gorgeous. How are you? You know, they go, I'm good. Handsome. They never say that either. I've just made that bit up to make myself sound more exciting. Uh, saw your tweet, uh, says Kelsey. Um, is your car beige or silver? Uh, it's moon glow. Moon glow. They always give them posh. They never go, I mean, it's silver. As far as I'm concerned, it's silver. But uh, they always give them posh names, don't they? It's moon glow. I had a green car once. It was called Aurora. Aurora. And what was the other one I had? There's various shades of blue. I had Nordic blue once. That was quite nice. And then I had Flame, which was, the, which was a red colour. <laughs> which I hated. Uh, here in Wimbledon Village, plenty of Bentley Continentals, and I kid you not, one, a bright metallic orange. Oh, actually, I've, I've seen it in, uh, in orange as well. I've seen it in orange. I'll tell you the ones I have seen, and I can't stand for cars. And I used to have a driver once, Ali, and he loved them. He loved those matte black finishes. You know those matte finishes, on it, which just made it look dirty? I absolutely hated matte finishes on cars. It just just didn't do it. I saw one the other day. It wasn't even a souped-up car. It was a bit of a naff car. And it was in this matte colour. I looked at it. Why would you ever want a car like that? I want a car that shines. That's the whole idea. Uh, oh, lovely. Tim John's obviously been to Berlin. 
And he's brought sweets back from... You know, they have to... Do they do that in your office as well, ladies and gentlemen? When somebody goes away on holiday, you're supposed to bring back sweets. Most people just go to the sweet shop and say fruit gums in the usual place or something and try and pretend they've come from Beirut. Which, of course, I mean, when I went to America, I bought typical American sweets back with me. But now you can go to Costco and you can buy, you know, all sorts of American goodies and candies and stuff like that. At the moment, they're all into the Reese's. That's the, the chocolate with the, with the peanut butter inside there. They're obsessed with peanut butter, the Americans. I bought pretzels in a while ago, and they had pretzels with, with, um, with peanut butter in there as well. They like those ones too. But everybody goes away on holiday, and when you come back, you're expected to buy sweets for everybody. Well, I, mean, I brought loads of sweets back. Mind you, I bring stuff in most days, so I've either got fruit or I've got some sort of sweet in there or some pear or plums or whatever it happens to be. Anything that's sort of really healthy, whereas really, I just fancy a Greg sausage roll. <laughs> don't want anything else apart from that. First thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, that's what you really want, isn't it? Um, another one, a lady from up north, from up north, who I used to work with, says Mike, called me Chucky Egg. Yes, I've heard that, actually. I've, Chucky Egg's, that, that's quite a... That's quite endearing, isn't it? But I think I think we can say love. I think we can say darling. I think you could say handsome. I think you could say poppet. I call everybody poppet. Everybody. But he said, I've decided, after all these years later, that I'm actually offended and I want her prosecuted. <laughs> exactly. Your feelings are hurt. Oh, I understand. Exactly. I think you should absolutely take every penny you can get. That's the easiest way to do it, isn't it? Easiest way. Was it Phil Harris back in the uh, in the 50s, says Dave? Do you know, it might be. This is the auctioneer's song. $25, $50, $50. I might have to go and type it in and see who it is on the uh, on the internet, on YouTube. And um, <laughs> a presenter on Irish TV just this week announced himself as gender fluid. Everybody's looking forward to his or her choice of lip gloss and earrings. I, I, I see no reason why, why you shouldn't have transgender people doing it. It can only be, you know, a short while away, can't it? I don't, I don't know. Uh, 84850. Pete says, I'm totally gobsmacked at your ability to keep on talking non-stop for hours. I can't think of anything new to say after five minutes. Really? I have that from people. They, they say to me, how do you know what you're going to say on the programme? I said, I haven't. I've got no idea at all. I've got the newspapers and I've got the ability to talk to a microphone, but that's about as far as it goes. I said, apart from that, I've got nothing at all. They go, but how do you think of anything to say? I said, well, you look on it as having a dinner party. If you have a dinner party at home, you don't sit down and write questions to ask people, do you? Just, you know, people just sort of turn up. You go, hello. So busy at work today. Oh, dear, I watched this programme. And so that, the conversation goes like that. It's exactly the same. I mean, you can do it when you've had a drink. So why why not do it normally? It's uh, it's easy. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Darren says mornings would just be very boring without the Steve Allen show. He says word around the campfire. Says Sir Elton wants a bit of a chin wag with Mister Vlad over Russia's attitude towards homosexuality. Sir Elton is braver than me. Wouldn't find me having a cup of tea and a chin wag with a Russian. Well, definitely not a cup of tea anyway. No, I think you'd have to have a nice, uh, a nice sort of vodka or something like that. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think Elton has said that he wants to. But uh, apparently, uh, Putin has said that he's a fan. He sees him as a, you know, a great musician, and he's, he's a bit of a fan. I don't think he's a fan of the other side of it, though. You know, the idea that maybe Putin could be seen dancing in heaven any time soon, I think is possibly a dis... It would be a good photo, wouldn't it? So, comrade, what do we have? Uh, we have uh, Putin. He danced in nightclub. OK, who with? A lot of men with shirts off. OK, I don't think this good idea. Not good idea for Russia. But it would be a, it'd be a cool one, wouldn't it? You could manage to get him into a gay bar. 
and not tell him it's a gay bar. You know, sprinkle it with all sorts of different people just to see what you get him in there. I quite fancy. I think that would make me smile, actually. Certainly, I'm, I'm totally convinced it would make Elton John smile. He sort of sees it as his role in life now to sort of win. He's, he's playing the Ukraine, I think, at the moment. I don't know what their, their policies are. Probably not unsimilar. Uh, Ian says, my guess is that Chuka Amuna will return to the back benches and bide his time until Labour are trashed again or thrashed again in 2020, after which he'll stand to replace Corbyn as leader. I don't think he's going to stand for leader. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. There was something odd about that, wasn't there? One minute he sort of put himself forward, the next minute nothing at all. It all, it all goes a bit pear-shaped. Anyway, um, extremely unlikely he'll have the distinction of being at 72, the oldest Prime Minister ever in UK history. This is uh, Corbyn. I don't know. Did we have not have somebody who was much older in politics? And uh, if he lasts the life of the 2020 Parliament, he'll be 77 in 2025. Which actually, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I don't think he's ever going to get to be Prime Minister. Do you think? I, mean, I think it's unlikely. I think people think he's old Labour. He's de- well, he's definitely, because I remember him from years and years ago. And uh, Steve, I would rather be called Love, Sweetie, Darling than uh, Madam. As I tell those awful cold callers, if they catch me on a bad day, don't call me Madam. I do not now and never have been in the past running a brothel. Yeah, Madam. It just seems a bit odd, doesn't it? Madam now. I think Sir and Madam's OK. We can, I, I can cope with something like that, I think. Uh, I wonder if Charlotte Proudman has been approached to appear uh, in the jungle. The haircut's a bit severe, but she might be a good sport, says Ian. I think she, it, would be, it would be suicide for her career. Absolutely suicide. Mind you, Beverly Turner yesterday was totally convinced that her, she's done herself more, more damage, in, even though she's a supporter of her. She nailed her colours to the mast very early on in the, uh, very early on in the programme yesterday. I think about eleven o'clock. It's worth uh, worth podcasting, definitely, because you'll, you'll hear what she was saying. And as I say, she nearly won me over. There was just something about Charlotte that you don't like. She's, you know, it's one of those hairstyles that's a little bit prissy. That's a little bit too much to it. You know, she obviously fed, she, and she obviously doesn't like compliments. Which is, you know, it's fine if somebody doesn't want compliments and they think it's somebody hitting on them. Then well, fair enough. I was hoping by now we'd have seen a picture of the boyfriend. Why do I think he looks a little bit meek and mild and wears glasses? I'm hoping it's going to be uh, something completely different. Oh, Paul in Kingston has sent me the um, the link to the auctioneer's song on YouTube. Merci bien. Thank you very much indeed. I like that. And, um, uh, no, I'm looking at the... this. It's definitely not Leroy Van Dyke. Uh, I don't think... Wait a minute. $25. Bid it now. $30. $30. Will you give me $30? Make it $30. Bid on a... Actually, that could be it. That could be it. The words sound roughly the same, don't they? I'm sorry to bore you with this this morning, but once I get something in my mind, I can't, I can't take it out. I don't know why. Kelly Maloney could be the next TV sports presenter, says Tony. I don't see any reason why not. Why not? She's been on every other blooming programme. She might as well do that one, mightn't she? They were having a long discussion uh, on this morning about uh, Charlotte and what she should say. And the, the two people on there... Uh, was sort of they didn't agree to start with, but then strangely, halfway through the interview, it kind of turned itself around, and it looked like they were actually going to agree. Coming up to the news at uh, six o'clock this Monday morning, the fourteenth of September. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The uh, Labour leader's potty plans for world peace. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, three years ago, this is. He says, "Let's abolish the army." Doesn't quite work, does it really? Uh, pupils told to write letters to extremist Muslim prisoners. These are, I think, five and six and seven-year-olds. They're certainly very young. It's all a bit odd. Uh, so very gracious of her. Victoria Beckham has given her nod for the Spice Girls reunion. She might sit in the front row, thus taking away the glory for, for, for them. 
the smiling queen shrugs off an eye injury. I mean, she just goes from strength to strength. It's just one of those. She's got a bit of uh, bit of bloodshot going on. Uh, Grace Jones gets more barking mad, and Rolf Harris is to face eight new sex charges. Oh, and it's going to get wetter. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Good morning. On FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 14th of September. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's really nice to have your company. Don't say hi, love, or pop it, or handsome, or good-looking, or missus, or anything like that. It's derogatory. It's offensive to elderly people. I don't know why. These are people with learning difficulties, but I thought they'd just like stuff like that. Uh, Elton John would love to confront Vladimir Putin on gay rights. A lot of you seem to have your own idea about that one. Uh, the death row nana and the grandchild she'd never met, she now has. She's on death row for smuggling £1.6 million worth of drugs in. It's going to get wetter. And grieving owners spend thousands on pet funerals. In America, they have them freeze-dried. Have you heard of that one before? That's a bit frightening. I think that's where, if, you, if you've sort of got a dog or a cat that used to sit by your side, they can now take the cat. It's a bit like taxidermy. Only it's freeze-drying. And so the, the pet can sit by the side of your chair. Because uh, the Victorians love taxidermy. They absolutely adored it. They, they would stuff anything. If it sat still for more than a second, the Victorians stuffed it. And so you would go in and they would have big glass cases with birds and exotic creatures. And you can go round to the museums now. Natural History Museum has got loads of, of animals which over the years have been stuffed. I think famous panda is stuffed in there and a few other things like that. But... Um, you know, the idea of, of you spending money on funerals now, people do spend a lot of money on funerals for their pets because people grow very attached to them. And none more so, I discovered through watching Country File, than the people who have got the working sheep dogs. I mean, these dogs are the most... Att- I, I was out the other day in Marylebone High Street, we're having breakfast, and uh, there was a guy sitting at a table uh, outside one of the uh, the cafes there, and he had a dog. Now, I can't tell you what it is, but its coat was the most beautiful grey I've ever seen. It This coat shone, and its eyes were the most piercing blue I've ever... I mean, seriously, it was like one of those dogs that was about to hypnotise you. But it was sitting there. It, I think it was a puppy. It was the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. It was the blue eyes, though, that kind of freaked... You looked at it, I thought, wow! That is really something. And it was sitting there, just staring up at its owner. And that's when you get to be a... a the are a bond. They were doing a thing on the Country File programme about a woman who's a horse whisperer. And she explained it in the best possible way. Um, she went down. The, the, she was working with this woman uh, who had bought a wild horse. And you can buy these horses. They have them in the New Forest. They have them in Cumbria. In Scotland, they, the horses come down from the hills. They're all wild. And they capture some of them. And they sell them off. And they sort of, you know, to, to obviously protect the, uh, the group that they've actually got. And people buy them. And this particular horse was wild. Never been ridden in its life. And the horse whisperer showed us, and it was the most amazing thing. She said, what I've got to do with this horse is make it believe that I'm the alpha female. And so I thought, how do you do that? And what she did, first of all, she had it. She had um, a long 
I think it's a lunge kind of thing, a long piece of string or whatever it is, uh, which wasn't attached, and she kept sort of hitting it over the back, only just light, because it was only very light, and it was running round in a circle. Then she got it to stop. What she had to get it to do was to follow her. And at some point, this horse changed its opinion. The horse had to trust her, and it changed its opinion. So, in other words, it went from being a wild horse to, all of a sudden... And it, and it just happened, and it was, she said, look at the ears, the ears, one's going forward, one's going backwards, the horse is now beginning to trust me, and so then she stood still, and the horse came up to her, the horse, I mean, it was, it was, it was quite the most amazing thing I've ever seen, I've heard of horse whisperers, I just, I, I thought they used to whisper in their ears, you know, because used to be that woman on the television, she used to blow up their noses, Barbara Woodhouse, she used to sort of take them, you know, and the horse would go, like that. It's not very nice, old woman blowing up your nose like that, is it? But anyway, but this particular woman, at some point, the horse then came to her and she then stroked it and and sort of cuddled it partly and all the rest of it. And then, immediately after that, she walked across the arena. The horse follows behind her. She said, this horse now thinks that I'm the alpha female. I'm going to be followed everywhere. And she was then able to put a saddle on, a bright... It was the, It was unbelievable. If only we'd treated my Auntie Enid like that years ago. We wouldn't have the trouble. We couldn't get a saddle on her for love nor money. God knows we tried. She's happy in the home where she is at the moment. But I think people don't call her anything. I think they whistle for her. But uh, it was just amazing to watch this. But looking at this dog the other day, I wish I'd taken a picture of it because it was just, it was just fantastic. And these eyes, almost like a hypnotic dog. Hypnotic dog. Martin says, morning, Treacle. My favourite line. See, I love that. I used to have a driver who used to call all his girlfriends Treacle. He didn't know who they were. They'd phone up and he'd go, hello, Treacle. And I was just sitting in the back going, who was that? He said, it's Treacle. I said, yeah, but you, you've called the other one Treacle as well. <laughs> you have to laugh, don't you, really? I don't know. Malcolm says, I once had a car with a matte finish. And I got sick of people asking me if it was the undercoat. I cannot ever have a, a car that's got matte finish on it. Just just not me at all. Not me at all, ladies and gentlemen. I can only have a car that looks looks shiny. Uh, the old spoon bender, says Tony at Westgate, is moving out of the UK. Yes, it's up for sale at £5 million. He's moved. He's He's gone already. He's gone to Israel. The two kids have left home. He's downsized. And up for £5 million. Whether he gets £5 million, I don't know. But he's moved to Israel because he's, uh, you know, he's he's got a... He's got a bit of cash in the bank, I suppose. <laughs> bit of cash there. And uh, David Cassidy forced out of his house as he's run out of money. Yes, I saw that. It was very sad, wasn't it? David Cassidy, you know, until a short while ago, well, a couple of years ago, he was touring in Blood Brothers. He'd uh, got an album out. They'd remastered all his hits. He came in to talk to me about it years ago on LBC. And, um, and now it's just a bit sad. When people go from being an idol, and David Cassidy was, as lots of ladies and gentlemen listening at the moment will tell you, he was a huge star. He was huge. And it was purely the Partridge family that made him because he was pretty, he had long hair, and it was everybody's dream. I mean, he wasn't the greatest singer in the world, but who cared? Girls practically threw themselves off balconies in theatres to see David Cassidy. Seriously, they did the same for Jason Donovan. I remember the first time Jason Donovan arrived in this country after the hit of Neighbours. And I went with um, a guy called Rob Goldstone, who used to work at LBC years ago. And uh, he was fantastic at networking. I mean, possibly one of the best networkers. Within a short space of time, we all had celebrity membership cards at Stringfellows. Seriously. I could go in there, all of a sudden I became a celebrity. Which I'm not, as you know. In fact, that's, yeah, I should have actually hung on to the card. I got rid of it years and years ago. And it was very interesting that they, they did an appearance, I think, at the Hammersmith 
Apollo. No, the Hammersmith, is it the Apollo? Anyway, whatever it is, it's gone. And the crowd there went absolutely wild for Jason Donovan. I've never seen anything like it in my life. You know, I've been there when when Brossel appeared somewhere and the girls were chucking themselves at them. But, uh, but for David Cassidy, when he arrived over, and for Jason Donovan, it was absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. I can't remember why I started that conversation, actually. Oh, that's right, because it was quite sad, the fact that he's, uh, he's broke now and he's got to sell his house with all the, um, with all the furniture he's going to sell as well. Isn't that dreadful? If you've got your David Cassidy albums, you'll be, uh, you'll be selling them. Horses apparently blow up each other's noses to show they're friendly. Oh, Mandy said the dog you saw. Do you know, I think it might be. Is it a, a Weemarana? Is it called Weemarana? It's beautiful. It was, seriously, it was, it was the eyes. It was the eyes that got me. I looked at it, I thought, can it see me? Or would they put coloured contact lenses in? Because I don't... Some people do things like that, don't they? But it was, it was absolutely amazing. What a beautiful dog. And obviously very expensive. Somebody was asking about things the other day, weren't they? I think uh, Piff, the magic dragon, does it in his act. You know, £1,200, Mr Piffle, 75 Or $120. He always does that as part of the act. I'm glad that he did my, uh, my magic circle show a few years ago. And, uh, and of course, Paul Zerdin did it... And he was brilliant as well. A Weemarana. My favourite dog, says Matt. Well, that's it. That was definitely the one. It must be. I can't think of anything else that it would be. Um, Deborah says, your show on my journey to Birmingham for a week is making up for the rail fare. Has anybody told the rugby fans how eye-watering the rail fares are at this time of the morning? No. Well, we have the Rugby World Cup. We can't wait for it to be over now. It's not even started. We're fed up with it. It's one of those things that drives you absolutely mad. Uh, Warren's cheered up this morning. Well, nearly cheered up. Remember the other day he got his car keyed, uh, which is not the best thing. And I did say to him, go and get some tea cut, rub it down with tea cut. And, uh, and then hopefully you might be able to blend in the, uh, the colour a little. It takes, it takes away the glare of it being, you know, a car that's been uh, keyed. Uh, Sonia says, I can just visualise the front row of the Spice Girls reunion show. All the Beckhams, including Harper with her dummy, plus all the in-laws, are t- all taking up the fro. It's called the fro now. They don't call it the front row, they call it the fro. It's a technical term. I never get used to things like that. In a moment, we'll run through the front pages of the papers. As you can well imagine, it's Corbyn. Corbyn and yet more Corbyn. Uh, Plus, we'll talk about the pupils having to write the letters to extremist Muslim prisoners by a man who's been in prison before. Seems a bit odd. The death row nana. This is the woman who smuggled the £1.6 million worth of cocaine, claiming that uh, the family were threatened, and so she's facing the firing squad. They've executed before over there. I think they actually took... Uh, they've done four people, I think, because it, they, they carry um, zero tolerance. Zero, you walk into the country, you've got drugs on you, death penalty. You're very lucky to get away with anything less than the death penalty. Very, very lucky. Uh, and uh, the Wendy House that needs planning permission. The problem being, it's in the front garden as opposed to the back garden, and some old busybody over the road complained about it. This family haven't got anywhere else for their kids to play because they don't have a back garden. They've only got a little bit of front garden. But because the Wendy house comes just a little bit over the top of the hedge, the council in Oldham have decided it needs planning permission, and they've not granted it. So they've got to take it away, and if they don't take it, it's cost them 200 and something pounds. It's a Wendy house, for God's sake. Can you imagine? I don't like... It's like saying I live near Heathrow Airport. I can't stand the sound of those planes. I hear them every day. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's like, you know, we work in central London. The noise from outside, you feel like opening the window and shouting, shut up! But I wouldn't do that, because I'm a gentleman. It's quarter past... Steve Allen on LBC. 
time I walk out of this studio to go and get myself a cup of coffee, there's a couple of people in this building. I don't want to name names. But they, because I wear these Hawaiian shirts, they always go, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I have to pretend I'm on a surfboard. Seriously, I've fallen into the trap the same as everybody else. Carl uh, is up in Liverpool. And he says, uh, I love your show. I suffered from depression till I listened to your show. Now you make it a bit easy. That's better, you see. That's what we like to hear. I thought you were going to say, I, I suffered from depression. I've heard your show. Now I'm getting a lot worse. <laughs> That's generally the thing I get from people saying, I don't know. What do you talk about? What do you talk about? So he loves the show anyway, which is great. And um, um, somebody says, will Elton John attempt to talk to African and Muslim country leaders about homosexuality? Why pick on Putin? I don't think he's necessarily picking on Putin. He just happens to be in Ukraine at, uh, at the moment. So that's, that's, I suppose, why. Uh, a lot of people telling me about um, Channel 343 on Sky, classic black and white English movies. I've got this, I've got this thing about old movies. At the moment. I've always had a thing about old movies, but it's got, I have got progressively worse and worse and worse. And I was trying to find somebody's, uh, somebody's birthday. Somebody said to me, oh, can you do a birthday? Chris took some great pictures in a small park uh, of fruit trees where he lives in, uh, in Birmingham, which is lovely. And uh, Gary's a big fan of the show as well. Thank you very much indeed. I like to get all of your uh, your texts and emails. I mean, some mornings we don't actually have enough time to get through everything. I try and get through as many as I possibly can. Uh, Phil sends on a on a regular basis, and Sally says I'm the alarm at four five a.m. There, she said I've got to get to the airport home. I will download to catch up. I can only tell people to to uh, to podcast because uh, we had Richard Wilson yesterday and Anthony Horowitz and the. Video of Anthony's interview is up on the LBC website. There was no interview uh, on video for Richard Wilson, which is a great shame because he was super guest, super guest. And uh, you can podcast those. They're on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Sandra says, can I have a ride in your new car, please? Pretty please. And Paul says, can you give my fiance Ange? Is it Ange? I'm hoping it is. A hello and a happy 50th birthday. Good grief. I don't know anybody that old. That's about the oldest person. The oldest person I know. And Kev, thank you very much indeed for the offer. Uh, Yvonne says, I remember watching Song of Bernadette and wanting to be a nun. And I'm not even a Catholic. <laughs> I remember Bernadette, the People's Musical. That was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it, really? And, uh, and Mike says, uh, of the same era, King of Kings, as Exodus, Ben-Hur... Uh, the Longest Day, all with an interval for that bag of butter kissed and a chalk eyes. Yet, you know, absolutely right. It comes with an, it comes with a, with an opening score before the film starts, and then you get an interval in the middle so you could actually uh, go out there and go to the toilet and get uh, that. Uh, Carl was talking when I was talking about my friend Ryan, and I sent him a text saying, I'm thinking about you, and he said, I was just talking about you to somebody else. People do that with me. And he said, is it <clears throat> psychic or is it coincidence? Well, that's... That's the big, big question, and I wish I knew. Uh, Steve, uh, the dog you saw, a Wimarana. It's absolutely beautiful. I've never seen a dog. The coat was, I mean, seriously, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Hey, thank you for that very much indeed. Really, really wonderful. It's most beautiful. It's these eyes. These eyes. I couldn't get over it. It was sitting there looking, so, and you think to yourself, if I was going to have a dog, I'd quite like that, or I'd like a Jack Russell. But I don't, I don't have time for dogs, so it's not really going to work for me. And Dale says, not transgender, but I wouldn't mind seeing Lily Savage presenting. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh, but I've known Paul for so many years now. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn says, Ken wouldn't be the oldest prime minister. Churchill became prime minister in 51 at the age of 77, left office in 55 at the age of 81. Did he? 77, uh, 51, uh, four years. Oh, yeah, right. 81, was he? Good grief. 
I still remember that. I love I love looking at that uh, on YouTube, Churchill's funeral, and being impressed by all the cranes coming down and suddenly realising they absolutely hated him to pieces. Um, the Sun, front page. England captain, it's all for my mum. Because Rugby World Cup, four days to go. We're so thrilled. Mylene's back in the jungle. It's not where you think it is. My life with the killer of baby P, an exclusive for them. And uh, Labour in meltdown. Corbyn abolished the army. It's a three-year-old uh, story on the front of the sun. The Metro back Cor- Corbyn or quit Labour. Senior MPs resigning from the front bench. And uh, this, I mean, to be honest with you if, you, if you, if you are literally divided within the party, then I suppose the only thing you can do is, is uh, resign. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Corbyn names the shadow cabinet, which you now know. Uh, TV star, this is Anne Reid, the lovely Anne Reid. My dad was a spy. They've unearthed it in this programme. Who do you think you are or where do you come from or whatever it is? And, um, and it's a case of they discovered that her father, who was working for The Telegraph as a correspondent, was working as a spy as well. But they haven't put it in the programme. Which is a bit ironic. She's not supposed to talk about it. There's the Official Secrets Act and all sorts of things. But uh, I suppose because he's obviously not with us anymore, it's OK to talk about. But uh, why not put it in the programme? Daily Mail. Ooh, a free pashmina for every reader. 1995 in the shops, but a free one. Why do I never get... You remember years ago, you'd open up the newspaper and there'd be a free gift. I was expecting to open up the mail this morning and get a free pashmina. But excited. Corbyn Union pals pledge strike chaos as Labour plunges into a bitter civil war. Thought we'd seen the end of that, honestly. Don't want any of those years back again. Thank you very much indeed. The jailed Marine clamour for justice mounting. This is a story that's been discussed on uh, LBC. The Daily Express, why Labour's Jeremy Corbyn is a danger to Britain. Uh, the new pension crisis on the way. Millions are saving too little to avoid poverty in old age. Apparently, latest research shows, this is, this is your benchmark, ladies and gentlemen, that the average worker saves £1.72 a day, less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Really? That doesn't seem very good, does it, at all? Just running out of time. The Times today. Uh, Germany shuts the border to stem the flow of migrants. Labour's divisions widen as Corbyn takes charge. Uh, front of the Independent, now Chukka Amuna joins the anti-Corbyn uh, exodus. They say, what's left? That's, you know, hinting on the fact that uh, there isn't much there. The Mourinho bust-up. Chelsea manager snaps under pressure. It's after they printed pictures of his daughter. And Richard O'Brien on realising his dreams and reviving Rocky. What an interesting man. That's it for this morning. Thank you so much for your company. I know it's Monday. I know you'll have a great day. Doesn't matter where you're going. Make the most of it. Take an umbrella. We've got the LBC app on the LBC website, which is available for iPhones and Android phones. You can download it. You can hear LBC wherever you go in the world. And it will not cost you a penny piece because the app is free to download. At seven o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. I'm back tomorrow morning at four. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. And the highlight of my day today is interviewing Richard Hammond and emptying the boot of the car. And you thought your life was so rock and roll. Coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.